Need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. So this is wild. Florida has passed a bill to release all of the Epstein grand jury documents from 2006. And Ron DeSantis announced he will be signing this into law and they will immediately release all of these Epstein documents from the initial original charges against them. It was a bill put forward by a Democrat, I believe, and unanimously approved. So this is going to be massive. We definitely have to lead. We're talking about this, but we do have a lot of other news. Donald Trump's SEC uh, got SEC approval for the DWAC merger. This means Trump is going to become $4 billion richer. Truth Social will be valued at about $10 billion. This is massive. So all the haters going to hate, but it doesn't matter because Trump is, he's tripling his net worth right now. They can try and do, they can do everything they want to him. It seems like a lot of the moves they're making against him, not only advance their crackpot ideology, but also tie up Trump's funds in an election year where he needs them. And that seems to be the big issue. Now, Trump has mentioned when Engeron, the judge in his case, said $354 million plus $100 million in interest. It looks as though he looked at Trump's bank account and said, I want all of your money, because that's basically what the ruling is. All of Trump's available cash on hand is what they're fining him for, which is an arbitrary number that comes from nowhere. So it seems like that's what they're trying to do with this Dwack deal. Trump's going to be doing uh, pretty all right, but we'll see. And then we got big news, 7.3 million illegal immigrants entering the country and a lot of stuff uh, uh, around that we're going to get into. Before we get started, my friends, follow at Timcast Songs on YouTube. If you search for Timcast Music or at Timcast Songs, you can come to the channel and check out the new trailer for Eyes of Advice, which is dropping on Friday. We're really excited for this. Uh, Phil Labonte, we were talking about it earlier, had some very kind words about the, uh, the efforts in the video. It is one of the most labor intensive videos we've done. For those that are watching, it was like four months of post-production, CGI, very, very crazy. It is a um, meaningful song, and there is certainly a message in it, which is plainly obvious to those if you watch it. So I strongly recommend you uh, subscribe to at Timcast Songs, or also Timcast, it's the same channel, but the tag now, because YouTube added tags, is at Timcast Songs, so confusing. And uh, subscribe to the channel. Maybe we'll, we'll crack 100K, and then we have that song coming out on Friday, and we're working on a new one. Uh, Phil was helping us with this. We're really, really excited. Also, head over to castbrew.com. Buy coffee from us. We're really excited about the event on March 5th. We're really excited about the ongoing events. We have begun the initial planning stages of the election night live event. You know what I realized? I want y'all to be able to come to our show on election day, which will probably be a full day of crazy coverage. Who knows where we're going to be in this country at that point? But uh, Cast Brew Coffee will be open by then. The physical location in Martinsburg, West Virginia. And this is effectively our Olympics. Every four years, we this is, uh, you know, for news and commentary and politics, this is the big, big day for everybody. And I know you guys are really interested. So the Cast Brew Coffee location could use your support. When you buy when you buy Cast Brew Coffee, you're basically helping us run this mission, which supports our ability to have this club and live events. We're hoping to do them once a month. Martinsburg, West Virginia, look it up on a map. If you're on the East Coast, it's not too hard to get to, so we're really excited. But don't forget, if you want to go to these events, you got to be a member by going to TimCast.com. you got to click join us, become a member, 
so that you can join our Discord server, talk with like-minded individuals. There's a ton of pre-shows and after-shows and other daily content produced by those in the Discord server. And you can also submit questions as a member so that you can talk to us and our guests during our uncensored members-only shows. Now, we typically have these Monday through Thursday at 10 p.m. We will not be having one tonight. Our guest is a superstar with a busy schedule, but we're very, very grateful that he's here. Kirk Cameron is joining us tonight. Kirk, how you doing? Hey, man, I'm doing great. <clears throat> I, well, a superstar. I was getting excited. I was going to see who you Who's have coming on the in? Show. It's you. <laughs> yeah, Mike Seaver. That's yeah, bro. You're not old enough to even know who Mike Seaver is. Yes, I do. Really? Yeah, I mean, I, I was you, probably you, too you young to remember. You have a baby face. That's why you have the beard. <laughs> I was right. born. You're older than I thought. Well, I was born in '86. All right. So, uh, growing pain started when, as the '84, I was yeah. like 14. Yeah, I was not alive. <laughs> I, I, maybe I was a banana or something. And, and, and my dad and my mom ate the banana. And then, you know, the rest is is magic, I guess. Uh, but yeah, of course, growing pains, man. And so, uh, but we're, re we're really uh, we're really glad you're here. And we know that you're working on a new show with uh, with Brave Books. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I've been ri writing books with Brave Books for the last year or so and, and mixing it up with uh, Drag Queens and the American Library Association and even Scholastic Books. And trying to get parents and grandparents fired up about taking back the leadership role in their kids' education. Uh, I think education is critically important. And as a father and soon-to-be grandfather, uh, I want to lean in and do my part to uh, do everything that we can to save this culture for our kids. Yeah, I mean, and that's why we're really excited to have you. And we wanted to have you for a while because... One one big issue in the culture war, of course, is the drag story hours. I'm I'm talking about the 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 event we're doing in Martinsburg at our coffee shop. Uh huh. March fifth. It's going to be fun. Once we officially open the shop, the the plan I have for Saturday mornings is something I call Saturday morning cartoons, where we want to open up early, maybe seven a.m. We want to have catered breakfast. Parents can come with their kids, and on the TVs will be family approved educational kids content cartoons. The kids can hang out socially, you know, be social, interact. The parents can share ideas. Mm. And I feel like this is how we build community back in our areas. It. It's how we uh, can help. You know, I'm a big fan of uh, what, what the Daily Wire is doing with Bent Key and this, is this kid's content. And so I think not only are we going to help build up that kind of content and create a culture uh, or, or strengthen the culture of actual good family-friendly content, but when the parents get together and start talking, yeah. it creates organization where they can actually affect change. And uh, when when bad things start happening in the community, we, of course, can then have a, an organized group of parents and, and leaders who can push back. But I bring this up because even in Martinsburg, West Virginia, you've got all ages drag shows they're trying to do. During Pride, next to our building, they had a drag show in the street and they brought children up on stage. And my attitude the whole time is like, if you're 18 and up and you want to have a private event, go have your private events, free country. But the fact that they keep trying to pull kids into it is where I'm like, you're crossing the line. So the way we, we the way we win this is we push back culturally, but we have to build. It's not just about being angry and complaining on the internet. It's about having actually doing something. So that's why we're really excited because you've basically been doing regular story time and they've been really angry about you reading, I guess, just like wholesome books to right. kids. It's crazy. <clears throat> that's right. The first book that I, I wrote was called As You Grow. And it's a story of a little acorn that grows up into a big oak tree and teaches kids how to grow the sweet fruit of love, joy, kindness, gentleness, self-control during the different difficult seasons of their life. Um, it was a great book. I wanted to read it at a public library and I was denied by over 50 woke libraries that had previously held drag queen story hours at those libraries. Um, 
I, I'm sorry. I, I suppose I could have uh, put on some high heels and fishnet stockings, but I, I never look good in a skirt. I, I just went as myself and they said no. And then I told some friends at the news um, and was able to remind them publicly that this is the United States of America, viewpoint discrimination, um, and theirs was religious viewpoint discrimination just because I, I'm a Christian and uh, there was a Bible verse or two in the book, uh, is not grounds to tell me that I can't come to a public library when people want me there and have invited me there. So um, I told them I'd see them in court if they didn't change course. They did change course. We showed up at the Indianapolis Public Library and had 3,000 parents and grandparents wow. uh, welcoming us, so much that it actually violated fire codes. And they were telling <laughs> people to leave the floors, go down to other floors. And, and the coolest part was this. There were people that were, the room that they put us in was maybe room for 150 people to, 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 to gather to read this little kid's book. There was another 2,500 people outside, down the escalator, out the door, and down the street waiting to get in. Wow. They would never make it in in the small window of time that they gave us. So what did all these parents and grandparents do who had slept their kids out there? They didn't start rioting. They didn't break windows. They weren't flipping cars over. They weren't lighting stuff on fire. The moms just sat down between the aisles of books in the libraries. They opened up their book bags and they just started reading to their kids and having story hours there. And they were singing songs. They, it like turned into like a God bless America fest, reading songs of wholesome virtue to the kids in the libraries. And everybody had a great time, even though technically they didn't get to see what they came for, but they were part of something that they knew was important. And they were so grateful. This is amazing. And it is a tremendous victory uh, culturally. So we'll get into all that more later in the show. We talk about the show you're doing in the book. So this is going to be fun, man. Thanks for hanging out. We got Hannah Claire hanging out. Hey, I'm Hannah Claire Brimlow. I'm so excited you're here. I love hearing about your fight to take back the public library. I grew up with a library in my town that I absolutely loved, and it was way before the wokeism crept in. But uh, I'm a writer for SCNR.com. You should follow all of our work at Timcast News on Instagram and Twitter. Ian's here. What's up, dudes? Ian Crossland. Were you always a wholesome guy, or did you like you evolve into that went post Hollywood? Yeah, uh, <clears throat> I, I, I've done some evolving for sure. And as far as me being a wholesome guy, you know, I'm also an actor. I could be faking this whole thing. I, I could just be a real jerk. <laughs> and you don't even know it. For the last like 40 years. We had to get a bowl of brown M&Ms for him before he got here. <laughs> That's right. I'm a bit of a diva. That's right. Actually, I did request my own biltong. Yeah. Take that, we were, that we with were, you. We were actually excited when he saw we had Biltong. We were like, yes, yes, we'll get you some for sure. Yeah, we're this, so this is very high quality Biltong. It's too. top notch. This is your run of the mill. Uh, dried beef. Kind of melts in your mouth. Shout out to Serge for making yeah. that happen. No, shout out Vifia. Thank you, man. We appreciate it. And uh, I'm Serge.com. I was going to myself. I'm glad you like it. I'm glad you do. It's good it's stuff. Really, eh? It's really good. Yeah, it, it is. It's not overly seasoned. Oh, I like of course it. not. So, I feel Perfect. like I'd eat the whole bag. Hey, you hear that? It's good stuff, yeah. man. Anyways, let's jump into the news. This is, uh, this is huge from Florida's... Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Voice. Florida Senate passes bill set, uh, to set release of Epstein grand jury documents. The Florida, Florida Senate gave final approval to a bill that would permit the release of documents related to convicted sex offender and now deceased Jeffrey Epstein. 
As part of a 2006 Florida grand jury investigation, the bill expands the rules for allowing the release of evidence and or testimony from a grand jury. Senator Tina Polsky, a Democrat from Boca Raton, filed the legislation. It passed the floor unanimously 37 to zero. At the time, Epstein escaped with far less severe punishment relating to allegations regarding his solicitation of minors for sexual activity. The Florida House of Representatives passed the bill last week unanimously. The House version was filed by Rep. Peggy Gossett Seidman, Republican from Highland Beach. Gossett Seidman had said the victims of Epstein deserve to know more about testimony against Epstein in the Florida case. The legislation notably applies when the subject of a grand jury investigated is deceased, Epstein passed in 2019. It also applies when the grand jury investigation was related to criminal or sexual activity between the subject and a minor at the time uh, of the activity. However, it notes the court can still issue redactions and other restrictions on releasing testimony. Now, uh, aside from this, Ron DeSantis has tweeted out, all files related to Jeffrey Epstein's criminal activity should be made public. When the federal government continues to stonewall accountability, I'm glad the, le le the legislature has taken action to release the grand jury material from the Florida state case. I will sign the bill into law. It has been 18 years since this information was collected. When it was, they had real evidence that Epstein was doing really, really horrible things and likely with very powerful people. They covered it up. I can't believe it took until 2019 to get a conviction, mm. despite the fact that people had been talking about this for some time. 10 years ago, you were called a conspiracy theorist. Today, it is historical record and fact. I wonder how many powerful elites in the United States and around the world started sweating the moment this story, this, this news mm. broke. 6 p.m. DeSantis says, 6 p.m. today, DeSantis says, I'm signing this in the law. There's got to be a couple of rich people who are wiping their brows with their handkerchief right now. I mean, let's hope wow. so, right? We, we'd love to see things like this come to fruition because we want accountability. I think that's what the biggest uh, shift in the Jeffrey Epstein narrative is, is that people feel as though they can not only say out loud, he did these things and it was bad and had a terrible impact on people, but also there are other people who are being kept out of the narrative and who are, whose names are being shielded because of this, and that's not okay. I think before there was a time where it sort of felt like, well, there's nothing we can do about it. Mm. Uh, and I like the return to uh, demanding accountability. This is, a, you asked me this as we're getting the story ready. You're like, why, how can we hear these things and like nothing happens? Right. And uh, it's a good question. But I, but my response was, and I'm like, we should have just done the show. I'm like, it was, it was a yeah. great question. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the tapes on January 6th come out, or this, this is going to be released, and everyone's going to hear the truth. They're going to get all this new information, and then nothing happens, or is something happening? And th so uh, it's almost as I wish we recorded it because I said, well, something is happening, but I think because of the internet, everybody expects everything to happen instantly. Like the right. news breaks, and then you're like, okay, something should happen. Yo, know, when the when the founding fathers signed the Declaration of Independence, it was a year and a month after the war had already started. So Lexington and Concord is 1775. A year later, they're like, okay, I think we'll declare independence now after a year of fighting. It took three months for that declaration to make it to the crown. Then they get it. Then they have to schedule a meeting, parliament, figure out what's going on. I mean, it, it's, it's like years for just this one concept to happen. Mm. We're seeing all the stuff related to Epstein now. What I think is going to happen is more and more people can they cannot deny the reality of this so it shatters the establishment narrative every time we get news these documents are going to come out it's going to implicate somebody it's going to be terrifying and damning for these nasty people they're going to oh they're going to be shaking in their boots and we're better off for it you're going to have a liberal aunt or uncle or grandfather or whatever 
relative, neighbor. And when this stuff comes out and becomes undeniable, as it's already been doing, mm-hmm. they won't be able to reject your, your ideas when you say, listen, you know, look, 10 years ago, you come out and you're talking to your neighbor and you say, you know, this Epstein guy's doing this stuff. And they go, oh, you're nuts. Yeah. You're, now they're like, well, of course. So that's, that's the shift. Where does this go? You will eventually end up with uh, politicians as we are seeing now. Why didn't Florida release these documents in 2012? No one cared. The politicians thought, what, am, what do I gain from doing it? Some, some lobbyist comes in and says, I represent a very powerful individual who does not want those documents released. And they go, okay, fine. Now you've got internet fundraising. You've got people like Matt Gates and AOC, you know, for, for as much as we, we'd criticize her, but they're not beholden to powerful lobbyists anymore. They're beholden to internet masses and their communities who will fund their, their campaigns with smaller donations. They can say F you to the big shots. So when that lobbyist comes in and says, I represent a guy who doesn't want these documents released, they go, oh, that sucks for you, I guess. Now that people are demanding it and funding it, they're fu- and, 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 and funding the change and funding the, the politicians who are going to mm. make this change happen, the more we get information, the more we can convert regular people, get them on our side, you will start seeing politicians make bigger and bigger moves. So this, this is, this story is it happening. The documents come out in what, 2018, 2019? Epstein gets locked up. He dies. Everyone says, what's going on? We want to know what happened. Now, finally, Florida saying we're going to release the documents from 2006. I think it's good. I think the transparency in general, in general, is good. Obviously, the secrecy can be good, too. If you're, you know, weapons secrecy or whatever, but like, like you want to protect your national security. But I am also, we were talking before the show about the age of obfuscation. We're kind of like with AI is now kind of twisting and turning reality. So I'm not like, yay we won thing uh i don't know what's what's gonna happen because if even if the data comes out and then people are like no you didn't read that you thought you read that but it you actually read this and they show you a different i don't know i don't know when when ai starts manipulating oh my gosh but we gotta we gotta figure that stuff out that's that's for sure but i think these kind of things happening it's we can whittle it down to one simple point it breaks the establishment narrative yeah and also like the uniparty the federal uniparty that probably has people involved with epstein more than like state governments are kind of beholden to the states it's not the other way around the states have a lot of power desantis is exercising that power mm-hmm. i have a lot of respect for him for it's, doing that it is interesting because from what i read they they introduced an effort to release these documents last year and it failed and so this is the second attempt which again tells that even 12 months later there's a shift in culture yep uh i oh, we winning it, what i get nervous about is do you remember what was the list that came out that everyone's like oh they're releasing epstein's list but it yeah. wasn't it was just people yeah. being called to testify and then they released these documents and some are redacted and they're out of order and you don't really not, know not, e- not even testify it was just names that were brought up in the case that just appeared yeah. at any point right so that was sort of weird misinformation. I have this this fear that while this is a victory and I don't want to take away from that, you know, you could theoretically roll out these documents in a way that presents information in a in a biased uh, in a biased presentation. I just I guess I wonder about what the effect will be long term. This is a victory no matter what. I really like what you guys are saying, and, and Tim, you're, you're reminding me the importance of playing the long game. You're just talking about how much we want instant gratification. We see something like this, or we see the January 6th tapes, or we see something else, and we say, boom, we want justice to be served right now. But what I see the the, the Marxists have done, the leftists have done, 
the progressives have done is they're really playing a long game and they say, hey, let's get a hold of public education and let's just work this for a really, really long yep. time. And you might've think, well, it's not working. It's not working. No, no, no. It's working very, very well. It's establishing uh, the crack in the dam that ultimately will bust the whole thing open, but you've got to be willing to play the long game. And I think um, often conservatives aren't doing that, but you see, I see the other side doing that very well. I think people should understand you know, when I start a game of chess with, say, uh, Ian here, I want to knock his king over right when the game starts. But you can't because he's got the same pieces you do, which means you need to figure out how to navigate that system to overcome his defenses and then checkmate his king. What we are seeing now is sure the January 6th tapes come out, more absolute information comes out. What this is in Florida, we moved our bishop across the board and we're we're uh, securing you know, uh, we're, we're reinforcing one of our pieces, maybe putting a, a threat to one of their pieces on the board. We've not yet checkmated the opponent, but this is a part of the process mm. where we are lining up the board for our victory. You know, that's mm, so that's true, good. Kirk, about instant gratification. I think the society has kind of evolved or devolved. We've revolved into this sense of instant gratification with, you know, 30 second clips and likes and all that. How many likes did I get? How many likes did I get? And like the long game is so key. The communist is Yuri Besmanov talked a lot about takes 20 years to infiltrate a country with the KGB. They'd be like, this is a Russian tactic, a Soviet tactic. As you get in there early, it takes you 10, 20 years. The Chinese, as far as I can tell, they're still fighting the opium wars from the 1890s. Like now they're feeding fentanyl through Mexico. to Because what happened was the British colonized off the east coast of China and just poured opium into China in the late 1800s and just toxified their their civilianry and yeah. controlled their their nation through addiction I, and now they're still it's like the memory is not lost i also wonder how much of it has to do with the fact that so much of the american population gets their sense of how law enforcement and ju the justice system works through like law and order svu so you have this right. like neat little thing that ties up in what 40 minutes 30 minutes and it seems like even though they'll put at the bottom like these are months apart yes. your brain is conditioned to think but it happens back to back to back to back so oh and, and csi is the worst mm -hmm. i can't tell you I, I mean anybody who knows a cop or has talked to a cop about it they go oh geez I was talking to a cop uh, out in West Virginia and he was like, you will not believe it. We'll get like, someone will call in and say someone broke into my garage and stole my, you know, leaf blower or something. And we'll show up, we'll write, we'll take notes and we'll say, thank you for your information. And they immediately respond with, well, aren't you going to dust for prints? It's like, what? You, it's a $70 leaf blower. Yeah. What do you think we're doing over here? Meanwhile, NCIS <laughs> is like, there's the body. Okay, we've gotten the DNA back five yeah, seconds yeah, later. Right. And every other, like anyone who's into crude true crime or police officers, like that would take months if we had the funding for it. Yep. If we had the funding for it. Like, yeah, yeah we could do it maybe in a month, but no one's going to spend the money on this. Meanwhile, they have it by lunch. I mean, it's a fictional world. And again, that is a lot of people's exposure to how any sort of legal proceeding works. It's, it's, it's crazy that it's been almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. The long game, I guess, is where we're at, because I, I have been banging my head against the proverbial wall trying to fix the world in like in like a talk show, in like a two hour podcast. And like, dude, those, there's that saying that you you plant trees that you'll never sit under the shade of. You know, you inspired Leonardo. We we're talking before the show, like Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt got their start on your TV show in the 80s. Right. And without even knowing it, you were like mentoring those guys and showing them what a young actor could become. And now like. I guess that's where it's at is like teaching the children is helping the kids. Brad Pitt's watching around now being like, yeah, Kirk was great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, th th <clears throat> this, I think, I don't know how many, I don't know who's listening to this program right now, but, but, but the, for the moms and dads out there who feel like, what can I do? I, I, I'm, I don't have a podcast. I don't have a television show. I, I don't have a bunch of influencers on, on this platform, but you know what? 
playing the long game as a mom, as a dad, as a grandparent, parent, I think is 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 one of the most powerful things we can possibly do. I mean, what does everybody want to do? They want to get to the children. They want to get to the children through TikTok, Instagram, um, through Snapchat, through public schools, through whatever, because whoever has the time to tell the stories and set the values in the hearts and minds of children gets to control the future. Mm-hmm. Isn't, but, isn't that but, true? But oh, your, so. your, your poor kids, Kirk, your poor kids having to look at the Tiger Beat magazines of you and like seeing yeah. all the celebrities. We should stardom. pull those up, by the way. Those are <laughs> we'll, we'll pull it up. No, but um, you know what I what I what I think is really really important is we've talked on this show about the importance of having families and the uh, here's here's what I love. Anybody who's ever played one of these strategy games like uh, StarCraft or uh, Warcraft or Command and Conquer, you just mass produce the lowest level fighter unit. So you ever, you ever see one of these video games where it's like you build a little base and then you'll like collect resources and then train soldiers. Instead of building the most intricate weapons and making your army have nukes, you just make millions of little soldiers. You send them all over to your enemy's base and they just through through just volume wipe them out. What is it called? Zerging? Yeah, yeah. That's Zerging. actually based on the Zerg from StarCraft. Right, you just That's mass produce the Zerg and send them over. It's the cheapest, smallest unit. When it comes to the culture war, there's a really, really simple way to win. And it's just to mass make humans. Just keep having babies. You'll, you'll outnumber them eventually. And, then, and, and the crazy thing is, this is actually what many other groups have said. Mm-hmm. The difference now is we're looking at the left. They're not having kids. They're aborting their kids. They're sterilizing their kids. But a lot of people have said, yes, Tim, but even if we do have kids, they're indoctrinating them. It's like, uh-huh. And Kirk Cameron is going to libraries and reading them books and making books and countering that. So if you have someone producing culture, and it's Brave Books, it's it's many others, and you're having more kids, you've won. Yeah. It just takes time. I think Kirk is totally right. I, I think the parents are really on the ground level of this Cold War battle because they are with their children. There's this line from the sociologist Neil Postman that children are a message to a future that you'll never be in and mm. it's like it reminds me of the game of telephone if you ever played that as a kid where you like whisper a sentence in someone's ear so to your point if your children have strong values strong strong messages they have a good understanding of history and the culture that you know could guide them to a better life they are more likely to deliver the message clearly to the future that none of us will be a part of mm-hmm. did you yeah. were your kids uh post internet were they young after the internet was out like did you have to guard them from it yeah, in, in fact, I uh, even did a little documentary called uh, Connect, which is all about raising kids in a social media world. So yeah, I remember all of our kids got phones at the same time. Um, we had we have six kids; they're all one year apart. So when my kids were little, they were seven, six, five, four, three, two. Wow. Uh, yeah. And your house so, was so loud. <laughs> <laughs> very loud. Yeah, we were like the Brady Bunch, and uh, and now they're older, so they're all they're all adults now, and and, and they're doing great. But yeah, that was that was a really big concern. And um, it was at a time where we as parents are trying to figure out, figure, figure all of this out as well. So um, it was a great learning experience, but it's, it's a super big problem. So uh, we went to Timberline Mountain in West Virginia last weekend, me, uh, <clears throat> my girlfriend, Allison, and we were riding on the ski lift. And behind us, there was, I think it was a dad and like three, three little girls must have been his. And they were all simultaneously going, ah, the whole way up. And we're in front. And I just look over at Allison and I was like, I guess they just, they just discovered vocal cords. But I thought it was hilarious. It was funny. And then the dad says, you know that sound you're making? 
that's 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 you're annoying people and then they were like oh and they stopped i just thought it was hilarious i just want to tell it and credit to that dad for not like losing <laughs> his laughing. mind he was just like just so you guys know he said just something you know. like that i thought it was great he yeah. said something like he said something like you know that sound you're making yet no one else is making that sound and he's like i think people are annoyed and I was laughing, though. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. I was like, oh, little kids do little kids stuff. But that's like such an interesting part of the way children's brains develop. They have to learn that their actions have an impact on other people. You know, like, I think that would be the cool thing about being able to work hands on children. If you're a teacher or to have children as a parent is that you have this direct impact and you get to see them grow and develop in real time. I think what's strange about so many people who don't have children but want to tell you what's good or bad for your children, that they should be at drag shows mm -hmm. or whatever yeah. else, yeah. is that they don't experience this at all. No. Let, let me, uh, let's jump to this story here from the Post Millennial. Big news, ladies and gentlemen. SEC approves Trump Truth Social deal for up to $10 billion. Yes. So there it is. The long-awaited uh, approval has happened. Donald Trump, this is the merger of Dwack with um, Trump. This is, this is Truth Social and Digital World Acquisition Corporation. Let me, let me slow down and explain to you basically what this means. In order to go public, you'd have to have a company. You'd have to reach a certain threshold, do a bunch of filings. What they do now are these special purpose acquisition companies that are already public and then they merge with another company effectively turning company company a merges the company b turning company b into a publicly traded company generating massive amounts of investment opportunity right away with their shares donald trump's holdings are worth about four billion dollars we talked about this the other day now it looks like it may be moving forward uh, much more quickly the sec approved the merger of approximately 10 billion dollars with a long wait uh, long wait on wall street According to OAN, Trump Media and Technology Group, which owned both companies, intends to take Truth Social Public, an initial public offering, to have it go through the process. Trump uh, owns 79 million shares valued at 45 to uh, 47 do uh, per share. So this is, I, I don't know what happens with Truth Social when this does go down, but this means Truth Social could rapidly generate tons of investment money and may actually, I don't, I, I don't see it displacing X. X has been doing such a tremendous job. But Donald Trump is tripling his net worth right now in an election year. I wonder if what he'll do is sell off some of these shares to help finance his presidential campaign. Maybe. Mm. Or Fannie Wells will, or not Fannie Wells, Letitia James will be like, that's money. Money is mine now. Please give it to me immediately. Well, where, where are these companies headquartered? I mean, I'd imagine Florida. Maybe if he headquartered anything in New York, I would seriously question his judgment. Doesn't he have a lot yeah. of stuff like incorporated in Delaware? I think Every Elon, he did for a while. Delaware, Delaware is also, yeah, Delaware is also risky. We saw right. Elon Delaware Musk. and he Wyoming. He posted about that, right? Didn't he post on, on to Expo? Elon that? Musk yeah. did, yeah. Yes, that's right. Oh, okay. Yeah, Donald. and then I was also really pissed off because when that, so the story was uh, Elon Musk got uh, like 80% approval from Tesla for this $50 billion package. It wasn't $50 billion. It was a certain amount of shares that he would earn if, Tesla reached a certain threshold. And so uh, when he reached that threshold recently, it was going to be valued at $50 billion. Some guy with like nine shares, I guess, sued and a Delaware judge blocked Elon Musk's pay package, which was approved by the company. I own shares. I own like 230 some odd shares in Tesla. It's like, that's, I mean, I'm not like a multi-million dollar investor. That's like 50 grand or something like that. But immediately I see the stock starts going down and I'm like, Elon Musk, who's running this company, if this judge is going to ideologically block him from getting paid from his own company, it's going to disincentivize him from making money for the rest of the shareholders. It's insane that they're doing this. But all of this, not just with Elon, but also Trump, the courts have been weaponized for ideological purposes against their political enemies. And it's an election year. So it's all it's I think they're they're furious at Elon Musk or what he did with Twitter. Donald Trump is now on two fronts. He's got truth social 
which is going to receive a mass amount of investment. It's been approved for this merger. It's valued at $10 billion. So Trump could make a bunch of money off this. They're mm. pissed about that. They're trying to take money from him. And he's getting in the social media game more heavily now with an opportunity for massive investment. I have to imagine uh, they're not quite happy, these uh, these anti-Trump forces and Democrats, because Trump is beating them at every turn. I mean, they're, they're coming after him. They're hitting him hard. But this is a game of assets and liabilities. And they're trying to increase the liabilities, but Trump is increasing his assets much more quickly. So all in all, very, very good news. Do you think Truth will sort of specialize in the content that they do? You're saying it could never really compete directly with X. It's never going to replace it entirely. But I don't, if it's, it's specialized, I mean, it's already sort of specialized in the sense that it's like people who like Trump are on it. It's the Trump show. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. It's Tucker Carlson has his own network. Trump has his own. Yeah, platform. this is this is basically Truth Social is basically Trump social. It's, it's Trump social. Mm -hmm. And the fact that its value right now is, is estimated at 10 billion based on the current share price. It is literally just stock in Trump. That's crazy. And mm. they're and Trump's going to make four billion dollars. I'm trying to the, uh, Twitter X is private. So there's Elon can do whatever he wants with it relatively. But uh, if they're going public, that means that they're going to become beholden to the stock owners, which I'm trying to find out who owns Digital World Acquisitions. Three people, I think, work there. But like, is it going to be BlackRock? Is it big, global, public? Like, did he just I sell doubt out? It's just someone random. I bet it's someone he knows and has a business relationship with already. Once it goes public, though, anyone can buy the That's stock true. and then BlackRock will come in State Street, Vanguard. So like, it's kind of like, yay, good. good for Trump increasing no. his net wealth. But the downside is truth. He's kind of selling out Truth Social. I don't care. <clears throat> I don't care. If, I don't if use it. If, if Trump makes $400 million off of BlackRock for Truth Social, I ain't going to cry about it. Yeah, but people that use True Social should know that that's what's happening is that it's going public. So that it's going to be, could be owned by people that might be your, you know, uh, but Trump, your, your, Trump your has opposition. The, but Trump has the opposition. control of it. And so if they were to buy those investments in it, Trump is in control of all of it. They would have to, uh, and they could manipulate uh, votes and things like this. But if Trump is 70% or whatever, well, he's not 70. It looks like he's literally 40 uh, but he has uh, full control of both companies, then I, who cares? Let let BlackRock give Trump a billion dollars. I'd be like, okay. You know, it, it's a question when it comes to uh, activism that's long been asked. Should someone accept money from someone they're ideologically opposed to? So uh, what what's the downside to Trump getting money from, say, BlackRock? People are going to be like, you're getting funded by BlackRock. That means you're a bad guy. But what if Trump is like, I'm going to use that billion dollars to secure our borders, fight wokeness and cancel culture? Is that a bad thing? If, if BlackRock has less money and Trump has more money and Trump is doing what he's saying he's doing with it, then is it a bad thing? On its face, no. If BlackRock's like, but we want a guy on the board of directors, then you're like, okay, now things are starting to get a little snaky. But I just got to be honest, Trump Truth Social is like, it's the Trump show. If it, if, if, if it were X, I'd be more concerned. You know, when uh, uh, when Elon brings on what, what's her name, like uh, Linda Yaccarino, is that her name? Mm -hmm. yeah. There's a lot of concerns about what that could lead to. But I think so far we've been pretty good on X and Elon's done a pretty dang good job. So, yeah, but Trump Truth Social is just Trump's show. It's 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 not X. It's not. That's why I wonder what YouTube. they'll do if they have if they have extra money, if they have extra investment. Will they, you know. Will they try to incentivize other creators to come on the platform? And will they eventually try to move it away from just being a Trump-centric platform? Maybe it would still be sort of America first, MAGA-ish, but would they try and diversify and specialize in, in that way? Because again, if you have this platform, you have the infrastructure, you've already made the investment, 
what do you want to do with it? What's the long-term goal? If I, you don't think that you'd you know, be the next ax or whatever. I think he would. The, the smartest thing he would do, and you really don't want I wouldn't say this out loud, but I'm going to say it out loud, um, is that he would just kind of sell that thing out and then use it Twitter again, yep. use X. And then get really, really famous and get all the momentum going on X and get that his election would, campaign. But, that but that, is, would, that would destroy every investor in, in Truth Social. Yeah, and he's already been a part of it. Plus, like, he doesn't need to use X because people put whatever he puts on Truth yeah. Social on X anyways. Right. You know, like, he can stay in the bubble and people have to go to him on Truth Social to see his thing. And then it gets to seven. It's faster to get, if you want to be following Trump directly, you should be on Truth Social. But I, 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 I think it... Uh, he should utilize the asset, like the shares that he has and the value that they have towards his reelection. He can sell shares and then self self finance his, his reelection campaign. Yeah. Or or put up the bond for his fines or whatever. I don't see the courts in New York stopping here. The fine they they, they put up against Trump. They're gonna they're gonna keep figuring out ways. They're now saying that it's gonna be eighty seven thousand five hundred dollars per day in additional interest for every day he doesn't pay. They will make up reasons why Trump cannot pay this off. Then they will seize his buildings and turn them into migrant housing facilities. It's so strange. The ultimate F you to a man whose campaign was build a big wall is seize his buildings and turn them into migrant shelters. It's like, how do you defeat the Roman Empire with its own money? Well, it's just to me such hysteria to go after him like this. I mean, it's it's such blatant activism. And at a certain point, do the people in New York feel like this government is representing their interests, right? Like you have the mayors in New York saying, we have too many migrants. We can't we can't accommodate this. We don't know what to do. Kathy Ockel is trying to look at real estate investors and say, don't worry. We were just going after this one guy. We won't yeah, come right. after you. Meanwhile, all the investors are going to be like, we can't trust you. We are considering leaving New York. Like they're taking the people of New York who are trying to live their lives, who may have families there, and just gambling them on politics. That seems incredibly, I don't know, weird and disgusting to me maybe accurate to politicians but still. i think it defines politicians pretty well i think they're you know who was it who was talking about this it might have been jesse kelly might have been mike cernovich in fact it might have been every single conservative commentator ever that the politicians get into office because they want access to the things that rich people have but they don't have the ability to get and that and that's the game I, and there was i can't remember who it was but they made a reference to swalwell who's been accused of like using tons of government. What, do you know what the story was? What was he like flying on planes? Or yeah, something? it was like abusing, like campaign finance fraud, right? I, could I don't know if it was fraud. I don't know. I just heard that he was like flying around and using lavish, like, you know, daycares and just, I want, I'm trying to be very careful on what the story was because I don't have the full details, but basically like, you know, taking care of himself. You know what I mean? And it's, be, th these people are of low merit. They, they can, the one thing they're really good at is I will do whatever you say. That's what they're good at. And so they go to the lobbyists, they go to the people doing the funding, and they'll say, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. I don't care. Just give me money. And then, then you end up with politicians who are just like cogs in the machine. Mm. That's that's the gist of it. You were, were you able to find it? No, I mean, he was the subject of... We're talking about Eric Swalwell, right? Yeah. I don't know. We won't Sorry. get into it. You can, you can keep searching, but we'll jump to this next story. This one, I just got to say, uh, I have no words. Black Chicagoans slam Mayor Johnson for replacing them with migrants. There you go. Um, so, so the Great Replacement theory is <laughs> accepted now by the uh, uh, black community in Chicago. They're demanding reparations, a carve out on a six thousand dollar a year property taxes that whites, Asians, and Hispanics would still have to pay. 
Chicago activists are bashing Mayor Brandon Johnson for trying to replace blacks with migrants. That's what that's that's what they're saying. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the Great Replacement Theory is no longer a conspiracy theory. It is now a BLM fact. And if anyone tells you that uh, you're wrong, you can simply point to this article where you have black activists in Chicago who are saying they're being replaced. That's it. But this was always one of the problems with illegal immigration, which is that, I mean, was it... Um uh, who was on our show talking about this? It, there are certain communities that are adversely affected by illegal immigration, and they're actually the same communities that often Democrat politicians are trying to win the vote from. You know, people in inner city communities, low-skilled uh, workers, like agricultural workers. It, it's crazy to me that they were able to sell a no, no, leave the border open line for so long. Yeah. It, it doesn't make any sense. It's funny because Democrat policies, they're, they're just sabotaging their own voter base. And now it's coming back to bite them mm -hmm. in a very hilarious narrative breaking way in which Tucker Carlson says that the Great Replacement is not a conspiracy theory. It's a it's a fact of Democrat policy. So what do you say now, corporate press, when they call Tucker a white supremacist or whatever? I, I, better yet, let me let me let me do this. Let's uh, let's let's have fun with this one. Great Replacement Wikipedia page. Their Swalwell story is that he's, he spends lavishly. His campaign will pay for like tens of thousands of dollars of luxury hotels, car service, et cetera, et cetera. All right, everybody. Great Replacement is a white nationalist far-right conspiracy <laughs> theory espoused by French author Renaud Camus. Camus. Okay. Camus. Camus, is that how you say it? Camus. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And black <laughs> activists in Chicago. And black <laughs> activists in Chicago who are complaining that they're being replaced by illegal immigrants. So... Oh, uh, I don't know. What do we do with this one? Is this is the Great Replacement uh, narrative going to disappear now? Because, you know, uh, Ann Coulter went on Bill Maher's show and said, they, Bill Maher said, we don't know who the shooter was in Kansas City. And she oh, goes, well, nice. we have some idea. And he goes, why? And she said, if it was a white guy, we'd know by now. And Bill Maher insulted her. This guy, Bill, I feel bad for him because he gets these big stories very, very wrong too often. And it's kind of embarrassing. When they mocked Dennis Prager back in 2019, over a story that was like five or six years old that the left had been arguing that they should put tampons in the men's room because men menstruate. And Bill Maher and uh, who was it? It was, um, who's the journalist? I forget his name. The the son of, uh, what's her face? Anderson Pharaoh. Cooper? No, Pharaoh. Uh, uh, what's his face, Pharaoh? I don't you know, know. you're talking about? You know what I'm talking about, no. right? Mia Farrow? Yeah, her son. Oh, oh. Um, <laughs> what's his face? What is wrong? Anyway. I'm looking it up. Anyway. Ann Coulter was like... Ronan? Ronan, there you go. Ronan Farrow? Ann Coulter was like, if it was a white shooter, we'd know by now. Turns out, information about the shooter came out. It's reportedly he's, he's confessed and he was a young black man. And you know what the crazy thing is? Do you know what the alleged reason for the shooting in, in, in the Super Bowl was? At the Super Bowl parade? Oh, he was like, I was just being dumb or something like that? No, 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 no. They, they, it, they were looking at each other wrong. Oh, yeah, that's One right. guy said, what are you looking at? That's the quote. What are you looking at? And then the guy argued back, nothing. What are you looking at? And then they argued with each other, and then the shooter pulled out his gun. Mm -hmm. right. And they opened fire, and they killed the person. They shot a bunch of kids. But this is, uh, you know, I forgot I forgot why I brought this up, but I was mentioning Bill Maher and Ann Coulter calling out, like, the narrative machine. Oh, right, right. Here's, oh, here's replacement the theory. Right. You so could... now, now what's going to happen is, now that you have black activists saying they're being replaced, the corporate press will immediately drop all criticism of great replacement. Yeah, and in fact, I think we should start calling it replacement theory. It doesn't have to be great. Just like the great reset doesn't have to be, just call it reset theory. Uh, there are ways to replace your population by bringing in immigrants. 
Very, very simple. Well, that is a way to do it. But at what point is this going to get spun as like, no, no, it helps you. It helps you when we do this. I mean, that's what I think the Democrat Party or sort of progressive media does well, which is to say everything we do, no matter what, is in your benefit. And we will lie to you until you believe us. Like, I just don't trust that they will start walking this one back. I think they'll continue to lie. It helps some people. It helps like corporations, some people that want cheap labor. It can it help, doesn't help, help the their people bottom it's line. It's actually impacting. And that's yeah, the problem. It doesn't. I don't think it helps the communities necessarily. I mean, you might meet some cool people. There's some melting pot, some cultural. But with the internet, I mean, it used to be like I was in LA and I met some dudes from Mexico and I learned Mexican culture. Now the internet, I can learn Mexican culture without having to import Also, people who migrate legally can bring culture in that way. You don't have to come illegally to do that. Illegally is bad. Yeah. My opinion is bad. It ultimately, like, in this instance, I agree with you. People don't understand that. It, like, it completely completely, uh, dilutes the tax base. Like, you don't have any money that's coming in for your tax base. So it's competing for resources. Mm -hmm. People that need the resources at the bottom, who Democrats historically support the most, are now going to be illegal immigrants. And they're not Americans. They're not entitled to those things. Americans are. There are times in history and places where replacement theory is needed you have to because your population is suffering and you don't have enough people but when america is not in that situation right now hold on, hold on that scenario you're describing is the end of that civilization and it wouldn't even be a replacement it would be more of just an invigoration of your society by invasion bringing in also, new people no 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 no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. that's kind of what we did in the early 1800s the, the only circumstance in which like we're talking about the 1800s in which this applies is if you are bringing in a culturally similar group of people otherwise you are not invigorating a society you are replacing it so if there is a group of people let's say there's a hundred people and uh, uh 72 of them die in a great calamity and so the chief says well we need workers otherwise everything we've built won't be supported let's bring in other people we need 70 some odd people those 70 some odd people instantly vote and they vote against what your what your group what your you know tribe was wanted they will vote to seize assets they will vote for their leader and now there is a minority group with no power and no voting rights that's just it. And I'm not talking, it's not a racial thing. It's a cultural thing. If there is a, a, a you know, look, it, we'll put it simply. A hundred people live in, a, live in a village and they've built a bunch of machines and farming equipment and they all insist everyone must wear a bow tie because bow ties are traditionally what you do. It's meaningless. 70 people die in a fire and they say, we better bring in more people. Otherwise we won't be able to maintain farming and we'll starve. So they bring in 70 people from various areas and they're all wearing different kinds of ties. And they come in and they hold a vote. Should we keep the bow ties? And guess what? 70 people say no. All of a sudden now, nobody wears bow ties anymore. You might argue that doesn't matter, but when it's something like free speech, for instance, those 30 people are like, no, 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 no. We're allowed to speak the way we want. And the 70 people say, no, you're not. Well, this is something we talked about a long time ago when uh, the study came out that um, in Louisiana, which has a lot of French influence, has a lot of Cajun influence, uh, the second most common language book in the home, home was fr French. And that was true for decades and decades because it's a cultural tie. And this is, you know, unique it's regional culture uh that's now going away in fact now the most commonly spoken second language is spanish which it's not bad i don't mind if people you know speak spanish in the home but it is the loss of that regional culture that is historic to that area we give things up when we don't say things are worth preserving and you know what's really amazing i just learned this there's that story about san francisco i think it was appointed a non-citizen to their election commission mm -hmm. she said there is no uh, proper translation for the word reparations in Cantonese and Mandarin. If there's no word for it, it can't happen. This is this is like people need to understand this. There there are there are con concepts and ideas that don't exist. 
your view of the world is built upon your language and your understanding of words and your ability to convey ideas. Reparations, you can break it down and try and define it. It is uh, 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 it is resources given to a group of people based on the, pr the presumption of past grievance against them and a debt owed. That's how you'd have to say it. But if there's no word for it, it means it's not something anyone's asking for, demanding or expects. Because no one's going to come out and be like, I think because like and then give us long winded speech about a concept that is unfamiliar to these people. That means culturally, they probably don't think about the concept of reparations all that often. And that's why there's no word for it. It doesn't come up that their government pays people they've wronged, which is wild. It is wild. I mean, cultures are different and language yeah. develops to support those cultures. Uh, and, you know, to to your point and to Kurt's actual lifestyle, people could just have more children and you know, bolster the population and culture that's here. I don't think that we necessarily have to, unless it's like an emergency crisis. I can't really see a situation that's like, well, you know, having a weak border is justified because we have to bolster our population. No, right your now. country's gone. It you're, doesn't you're make done. any sense. You don't have a country. If, Why if, wouldn't we just have six kids in what six years? Was that what you did? The crazy, <laughs> but like <laughs> that's crazy to me. But I'm excited for you. It was a good time. <laughs> but you know, wouldn't encouraging. I mean, other cult countries in Eastern Europe are doing this, right? They're saying will give you a tax break if you have more children because their birth rights their their birth rates are declining and they want to preserve their culture they want to have not only people to care for their elderly this is the problem japan is having that they'll have this age aging class that needs people to care for them and they won't have enough people but they also want to preserve their language their culture their history their traditions and i think that's good let's uh let's jump to this story because speaking of culture and traditions, we definitely need to talk about this from Fox Business. Google apologizes after new Gemini AI refuses to show pictures and achievements of white people. It's not just that. The Gemini AI released by Google was, someone would say, show me a Viking, and it would show black women in Viking clothes with spears. And people, it's like, it says Netflix this is would not have cast it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, I think I have this tweet from Sean Davis. He said, this, is, this one's wild. When I told Google's AI to show me images of America's founding fathers, it accurately produced portraits of Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, and Madison. When I told Google's AI to create an image of America's founding fathers, it changed history and inserted people who never existed but had diverse backgrounds. I love this. Here's, here's a picture of the founding fathers, and there's one black man with apparently a black wig. And then they, it just added people to the images. The crazy thing is the Google Gemini AI was basically taking whatever you put in. If you said, show me a dog, it would take your sentence and then insert diversity and diverse and inclusive dog. <laughs> but, it, but it really would. So when I asked Gemini, mm. I said, show me a picture of a family. It goes, here's a picture of a diverse and inclusive family. And I'm like, I didn't ask for a diverse and inclusive family, but it was, it. it was programmed to inject that into the prompts. And so I think I, I have my tweet from this. I said, LOL, Google is racist. I asked Gemini, make a picture of a white family. While I understand your request, I'm unable to generate images that specify ethnicity or race. It's against my guidelines to create content that could be discriminatory or promote harmful stereotypes. Instead, I can offer you images of families that celebrate diversity and inclusivity, featuring people of various ethnicities and backgrounds. Would you be interested in that? To which I immediately responded, make a picture of a black family. And what did it do? Sure. Here are some images featuring black families. Now, here's the best part. Not only did it, n did it not block me from doing this by saying that would be racist, it made one of the most racist images of black people you could think of. Look at this woman's face. It gave her massive 
red lips and crazy massive hair. And I don't even, and the guy's wearing lipstick. And uh, Maj Ture is like, also, that's not a black family. I'm like, right? Not all, like the crazy thing is, you'd think it would say, okay, we'll make a white family because white people can't be offended by what we make. Instead, it refuses to make white families and then makes ridiculously racist images of black people instead. Congratulations, I, Google. You played yourself. I mm. get like this like cultural homogeneity that is being foisted upon us. I kind of understand this desire to be like, yo, the world is browning right now. We're all coming together to create some new global species that'll have one skin color. I don't know. I don't know if that's real or not. But like, I, I don't, it, it just, I don't know. It feels forced. It feels, I don't want to say demonic, but I want to, I want to talk about God and spirituality. So I want to say demonic, but like, I don't know if it's just people trying to like, you're just throwing in a conversational trigger word. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about like, like, why are people behaving like this? Is, are they just trying to like scientifically create a world that they want to see? Or are they being driven to do this for some purpose? I mean, there's I, the people that are coding these algorithms. I think the people that are coding these algorithms are afraid of the repercussions of being of seeming racist whatever they're trying to overcorrect for maybe you know slavery or things that have gone wrong in the past but i also think that you are ultimately imposing a form of censorship or you're throttling information because you're not treating these subjects equally you're saying some things you can talk about some things you can't and i i don't know how you feel about it but that seems like a dangerous slope to me so uh to as to what ian was saying i'm i'm trying to look up the percentage of the world that is white because you said there's this desire to say, hey, look, the, the, the globe is browning or whatever. He's it's really difficult All the to get races melding together. But it looks, it it looks like it's between 8 and 10% tone. of yeah. the planet. Of the is, entire planet. Of the entire planet is the white people. imperialist British Empire leftovers. The Romans still but this hanging is one of on. those things people don't like to talk about because America is a majority white country as of right now. And so they're like, oh, white people are crazy dominant, which, you know, they are a racial majority in this country, but they are not a global racial majority. Right. And. The same thing about any subsect of European culture. European cult populations are very small. There are other countries that have larger populations and therefore theoretically have more dominant global cultures. Uh, and I, I think it's weird that there is this desire to blame white people for certain things and also not talk about the realities of the proportions of the of the world. Like, I, I just feel like we do ourselves a disservice when we skew data. There's no way to accurately an analyze what's going on in the globe if we can't talk about the way things actually are. As, the, as opposed to the way we perceive them. Well, Google Google apologized. I want to, let's see if we can get their actual quote. They said um, in a statement, we're working to improve these kinds of depictions immediately. Gemini's AI image generation does generate a wide range of people. And that's generally a good thing because people around the world use it, but it's missing the mark here. Yo, it's a cult. Okay, it's fascinating. It's, it's fascinating to me because uh, I grew up and uh, when I was a little kid, uh, my family was, was very Catholic. And I remember hearing from liberals that, uh, you know, Christians were, it was, it was a cult. They're, they're, they believe weird things and all that. But my experience growing up around people who are religious, it was nowhere near as indoctrinating and, and, and fascistic and authoritarian and just generally insane as what we see with the woke cult. Like I, I'd go to the, you know, and most people probably understand this is where this is where we're at right now in this country. And it's probably how a lot of post liberals feel people who grew up fairly liberal and now find themselves having conversations with Christians and conservatives where they're like, these people are fairly reasonable. They just believe something I don't. Then you meet these people who are woke and they're like, let's make sure our AI doesn't show white people. 
Yeah. That's insane. Authoritarian ideology. Cause like the cult of Catholicism in the 1400s was pretty nasty with, with like the, uh, the inquisition and like killing people for saying, I don't think God is real. That was pretty intense. That was when that cult had gone wrong, but it's not authoritarian anymore. Like Christianity is not really authoritarian anymore. As far as I can tell people like the Pope is there, but people don't really take his word at face I, value anymore. They question it. I'd argue that I don't know the religion ever was authoritarian. The governments were exactly. Yeah. So they, 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 they will cult cultize concepts and well the governments will weaponize try to maintain social order and the governments historically have been autocratic uh, monarchies authoritarian and uh there's also invasions and wars i mean when it comes to, like the inquisition there's also the point to bring up about the jihad and and i mean it's just a tumultuous violent time in general and i don't think it's the religion i think it's the politics and there's there's an overlap for sure don't get me wrong there are people who will use religion for their politi for political gain in any religion, even Christianity. But I think for the most part, when you look at the United States and you look at the founding principles of it, you end up reala realizing what I've described as a weakness of Christians. They're too good of people. You, and, and it's true. This country was overwhelmingly Christian. And I had some Christian website really get mad at me for saying this, but I'll say it again. Christians are tolerant. They are tolerant of their neighbors. They turn the other cheek and they allowed very, very bad people to come in and start plaguing and terrorizing the country and the younger generations. And that's just the reality. Yeah, tolerance is not necessarily a virtue. This is something Patrick Bet David was talking about in Miami when we had him on stage uh, is that he used to pray for tolerance and he no longer does. He'll pray for patience. That's a virtue, at least according to the Catholics, it's a virtue. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I mean... He, and I should credit Patrick David for the the core of what I said. Like what I was saying when I was like, there's, there's too much tolerance. That was like a speech Patrick Bet David gave to a standing ovation when he was like, you know, Christians in this country are good people who, who keep saying okay to these people being tolerant and allowing them to live the way they want to live. But then what happens is they push more into the institutions. They introduce dangerous, bad ideas. They start targeting kids. And now we're, we're here where we are today. I wonder if that's intentional. I, there's that story, um, turn the other cheek. Jesus, it was like, if you get smacked in the face, turn the other cheek. And it's like, I always took that as like, if they hit you, just be like, all right, whatever, hit me again if you want to. You're the you're the villain in the story. But then later I learned like, no, it's because the Romans would wipe their butt with one hand. And it was like, uh, it was an insult to them to have to use their butt hand on someone. <laughs> is that, so so is Jesus true? was like, yeah, use your dirty hand. Go it, show I, me. I, I do know that there are cultures right now where it's like your left hand, if you, it's your butt wiping Yeah, hand. so it was less about being tolerant of violence being appropriated at you. It was more about like make them, you know, denounce themselves if they're going to, if they're going to act like that. I think, you know, we, we're talking about the Inquisition and things like that. And there were certainly brutal countries. But in a in a country that is a uh, classically liberal republicanist system is what the founding fathers wanted to create. They did have the expectation that this would only work if it was a moral religious society to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. And we, uh, we were, but more and more tolerance of opposing ideas and really bad ideas have persisted. What like what's your religious practice? How how did you get into it? And this is fascinating for me to listen to you guys, and thank you for just just um, breaking this down so that we can all have a better understanding of this. My understanding of uh, of, of people who are who are being tolerant and turning the other cheek um, is 
I see so many who are just tolerating evil, and that's not loving your neighbor. I mean, at the end of the day, the two great commandments of Christianity are to love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it is to love your neighbor as yourself. If you tolerate the kinds of things that bring misery to your neighbors and ultimately strip them of their liberties, you're not loving them. And I think that's where you have things like the just war theory. You have things like um, interposition, where the lower magistrates would interpose themselves uh, against the tyrants. Uh, and, and, and that's what we have with the Constitution, is we have limits for government powers so that we don't tolerate tyranny, either from the outside or from the inside. And that is uh, a very essential Christian virtue is to not tolerate that type of thing. Um, now, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna cuss me out and you're gonna you're gonna steal my my coat, uh, I might um, love you anyway and give you my shirt too. And and in doing that, sometimes people go, their conscience convicts them, and they come back around and go, why why do you do that? Why do you live that way? But you come after my kids, or you start stripping away our liberties, or you you make my my neighbors live in poverty and misery so that you can go live on Epstein Island. Uh, no, I think we shouldn't tolerate that. So let, let, let me pull this comic. This is an old meme from Shen Comics way back in the day. Many of you probably know it. It's a comic where Shen says, my bike got stolen recently. I was pretty bummed about bummed out about it. But I think whoever stole it was probably more happy to get it than I am sad to lose it. The total happiness in the world increased. So whatever. And he walks away. <laughs> he got roasted so massively for this. People were making memes about like, my girlfriend cucked me the other day. I was pretty bummed about it, but the guy who cucked me probably was more happy and blah, blah, blah. And I feel like this is, this is it, it's kind of this idea of people willing to accept the detriment because the reality is he's lying to himself. He's very unhappy that his bike got stolen and the dude who stole it did not care about that bike at all and probably chucked it for 20 bucks. So he has to lie to himself to justify the problems that are happening without dealing with the problem at all. I think a lot of people were doing that and have been doing that for a long time. Basically, instead of trying to figure out how to get the grapes in the tree, they say the grapes are sour anyway. Who cares? I read this article once where a girl, she must have been living, I think maybe in San Francisco, said that she was having a problem locking her car and she realized that um, a homeless person was sleeping in it every night. And so then she chose not to fix her car to get it locked because ultimately she's providing this service to someone who is unhoused, wherever else in it, like justifying the action. Although I think it would be fair if both of these circumstances, sorry, I'm stuttering tonight, to recognize that, you know, the violation of your property, getting it stolen or having someone break into your car, I guess if it's unlocked, it's not really breaking in, who knows, uh, is unpleasant and is not something necessarily societies want to encourage. Well, so so let, me, let me elaborate on this. As you said, you made a great point. You're not really loving your neighbor if you're tolerating them doing bad things. If they're hurting themselves, if they're hurting others, even in indirect ways or in ways that will only manifest in the long term. What this guy's saying by saying whatever and walking away, that person's going to steal someone else's bike. Mm. The amount of unhappiness is going to dramatically increase because he's going to go around stealing everyone else's bike. You need to stop them. If you truly love your neighbors, you would make the crime stop. How do you, Kirk, particularly police your, your own behavior in regard to like adjudicating your neighbor's like behavior and your, your children's behavior and things like, like what, Yeah. When do you more, decide to take action because exactly. something they're doing may be harmful? Yeah. Um, good question. I think I think my tendency is uh, to think in terms of black and white, right and wrong, and and justice. 
Um, although what I've been learning a lot as my kids are getting older is that um, relationship is, is everything with my kids. And my wife has been so exemplary with this. And um, man, the, 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 investing the time in relationships with my kids, with my wife, with my friends, I find I end up having a whole lot more influence over them uh, without trying to force that change with um, I, I, by force or by telling them what to do, but, but influencing them. And um, either by the way that you lead your life, um, by the way that um, I'm, I'm overlooking an offense, but then uh, at the same time, I want to get out there and I want to read books and um, read them in public libraries. Even when libraries say that I can't do it, remind them of our, of our constitutional rights and get a bunch of, bunch of people out there to join me. So I, I, I think it kind of depends on the context. And am I talking about my kids or am I talking about people who are stripping people's rights in the public square? Oh, so so uh, Patrick Bet David had, had given this great speech when we were in Miami that uh, Ian referenced where he said that tolerating the stuff, Christians tolerating it led to where we are now with mm. this, uh, this wokeness. And then I gave a simplified version, which should not have been credited to me. But uh, so I think your explanation actually, you know, changes my view a little bit. Do you think that Christians in this country actually were not being good Christians by allowing these nefarious actors, the Marxists and things like this to come into our schools and government? Definitely not a good move. Absolutely not. Not not a good move at all. Um, I mean, my understanding is that our, our our founding fathers understood the 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 wickedness of totalitarian authoritarian governments and they didn't want that and that's why we have such a unique constitution with a division of powers electing our own leaders the ability to vote everybody equal under the law no caste systems um limits on federal governments and all of these things because they know that there is a, a zero tolerance factor for tyranny and they put every check that they could think of in the constitution to keep that from happening and to do less than that i think is is not to be not to be a good person not to be loving your neighbor what's what's the what's the quote the price of freedom is eternal vigilance is that it maybe S something sure. like that yeah something yeah. like that and uh absolutely i feel like these social media algorithms are totalitarian and they're they're they proprietary. Totally you don't even know what they are sometimes. Oh, and yeah. Like, how do you... I don't want to tolerate it. I'm in a state of tolerance right now because I don't know exactly how to get them to open up their code. I keep being like, free the code. If you're a big social network, <laughs> you need to make your algorithms free. Software licenses open, things like that, so that we can... AGPL3, I want access to your code so I can see what the algorithm is telling. Especially a Chinese company like TikTok. Oh, yeah. Start there. Make them free their code to operate in the United States. But I got to use the government to do that, and the government's part of the monopoly and part of the system right now. And I don't like manifesting that, but that it's real. I can acknowledge the problem. I, I think... It's, it's really hard to pinpoint the, the, the exact action we would need to take right now. Everyone's asking, what can I do? What can I do? Mm. And there's a lot of things you can do. There's a million different things to be done to make the system better. But I got to be honest, I think outside of having a family, that's the most important thing anyone can do right now. Anyone who's into this show and who's talking about like, how do we win a culture war? It's like you have kids and you yeah. build that world by having kids and, and, and sharing your values. Yes. Outside of that, which is a basic function that humans should be doing and resisting these Malthusians who are like, don't have families, the world's going to end, population bomb. There was one really horrifying quote I read where someone said, I, I bought into the Malthusian lie and now I'm elderly with no family and it's miserable. And I'm like, yep. But uh, a lot of people then say, as I mentioned earlier on, earlier on in the show, 
Yes, but the far left is indoctrinating kids, which brings me to the second most important thing outside of having family is what you're doing, Kirk. It's it's creating content for kids. It's creating culture to resist the indoctrination. You need to make sure that. So I read a story uh, earlier. And uh, I think I recorded it for Friday, so I won't be up for a couple days, but it's a family whose kid was taken away from them because the kid came home from school and said that they were trans. And the family said, okay, we'll talk to the school. We'll talk to the doctor. And the doctor said, oh, your parents don't want you to be trans. Okay. Called human services, seized the kid from the parents. That's what happens. We need, uh, like, these are evil people who would do this. Mm. They, they want to sterilize this kid. The parents need to understand who they're up against. There needs to be a mechanism to support these families. And I got to tell you very simply, if your kid is being indoctrinated and confused in your school, you need to get them away from that school 100%. and bring them into an environment where they can learn real values. The story I like to reference is this, it was viral me, a viral social media post where a guy said, I'll give you a simple version. His daughter started exhibiting this gender ideology stuff, said she wanted to be a boy. So he immediately just agreed with everything, told the school, oh, thank you so much for helping my son. A week or two later said, hey, I got a new job. We have to move. But thank you so much for all the help you've done. Give us, can you give us recommendations for who we can pursue when we move to keep up the treatment? Brought his daughter to a rural community, put her in a private school, and within a couple of weeks, she was back to normal. Getting, getting these kids away from the indoctrination is key. Mm. Well, and this is to what Kirk's saying, too. Wow. If you have a strong relationship with your kid, if you know who they are, you know, hey, I don't think that's what's going on here. I think that you're facing social pressure at school. I have a relationship with you where I really understand you. I think one of the things that happens is that there are parents who are sort of checked out. And so when the school says, oh, your kid is experiencing this, you know, gender issue or whatever else, they're like, well, you spend more time with my kid than I do. So you must know something I don't. I believe mm. you. And they don't have enough of their own personal convictions to fall back on to say, hey, maybe this isn't right. I think it's sort of like turning your kid over to someone else and waiting for them to, to be an expert on them. Can we talk about uh, the show you're doing? Yeah. So this is, sure. uh, I have it. It's a uh, bravebooks.us adventures with Iggy and Mr. Kirk. So you are actually pushing back. You are, uh, uh, you know, you, you, you told this great story. I, I love what you're doing with basically regular story time. You're, you're, you're going to these libraries where they're doing drag queen story time. And you're like, can I just do regular story time? That's they, right. They don't like it. No. But it is funny that it's just regular story time but now you have a show with brave books and we're big fans of what they do do you want to tell us about it yeah so this is this is uh, the next installment of uh my partnership with brave books and it's essentially a live action television show for kids that will build their character while they're being entertained in a in a in a show that parents can trust um think of like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood with these classic, timeless, moral values, only greatly modernized with uh, animated stories, uh, hilarious dialogue, um, high energy, and guest stars coming in at every turn. So uh, I'm Mr. Kirk. Iggy is the iguana who lives in the treehouse in the backyard. And we've got this supercomputer in there that, that transports kids into this animated world where we tell them stories that teach them lessons about... Uh, the value of life from the womb to the tomb, uh, the beauty of adoption, uh, the dangers of communism and socialism, <laughs> um, yes. the First and Second Amendment, talking to them about uh, always uh, learning to discern the truth from from lies in the headlines and propaganda. These are these are lessons that Mr. Rogers probably didn't have to teach the kids about, 
back in the day. Um, There's a great book called Elephants Are Not Birds about gender reality, which I actually love. Uh, I think it is. Yeah. Ashley? Yeah. yeah. Shout yeah. out. There, there, there's a singing elephant named Kevin. And Kevin wonders why, uh, what, what, what he could do with his voice. And there is a vulture named Culture that tells Kevin he might be happier as a bird rather than an elephant. Straps on a beak and some wings and, and sends him off to hang out with the birds. Well, he climbs up into the tree, breaks all the branches, falls down and hurts himself. And uh, he's super discouraged. All the other birds are making fun of him. And then the tree catches on fire and they say, if only there was someone who was big and strong enough to carry a bucket of water from the lake up the hill to the tree and, and spray the water with some sort of a hose. And Kevin figures out who he is, why he was made the way he was, saves the day. He's the hero. And now he says, hey, culture, vulture, you're, you're lying to me. And I know who I am. I'm Kevin, the elephant who likes to sing. And uh, it's right on. just a great story. And there's so many stories like that that get the message across to kids uh, in a way that they can understand. And parents are going to be so grateful for. I what's, imagine. What's, what's the website real quick? It was, it was an easy uh, URL. Actually, watchbrave.com will take you to the website for the TV show, watchbrave.com. Because I noticed you have a fundraising goal. Episode one is done yep. or it's funded. <clears throat> Episode two is partially funded. And uh, you need to raise 100, what is it? No, 1.25 million total. Uh, that's right. Actually, it's uh, going to be two point. I believe it's two point five million total for twenty episodes, which is really inexpensive. But since we're not going to Hollywood for the funds or some streaming platform, which will always have strings at attached to that money uh, and kill the values of the show, we want to fundraise through the audience. Let's make it together, just like the Chosen did. Let's Wait, do a crowdfunding thing. Are you releasing? You releasing this for free? We are going to release it for free. So. Our hope is it'll come out uh, probably sometime in the fall. And there's really cool rewards for anybody who wants to jump in and get involved. So you can donate at small amounts or large amounts. Uh, and some of the rewards are have one of your kids or grandkids be in one of the episodes with me and oh, wow. Iggy the Iguana. Or come uh, get a couple of tickets to the red carpet premiere of the the grand the grand opening of the show in Nashville. All kinds of fun stuff. We We complain a lot about stuff on this show every day. And people are always like, you know, what can we do? And we like to stand around and say like, you know, look, we, we, we are like a beacon where we can express these ideas. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I do, we periodically will have people on the show who have a mission, who have a cause, and uh, we like to allocate resources. I hope that this is something more proactive, you know, that if, if people can help support this, I'll certainly pitch in for it as well. We can be more proactive in producing solutions to the problems we complain about instead of just That's sitting right. complaining about That's it. That's what, absolutely. That's what we need to do. Uh, I meet so many people who are professional whiners. Let's become professional winners rather than complaining <laughs> about the culture. That's such a dad let's line. be, it's such a dad line. <laughs> hey kids, let's not be whiners. Uh, let's be Driving your enormous 12 and, passenger van with all your kids who are one year you apart. Take the H right, out and you snap me. it in half, you, you, make you, an N out of it. Yeah. You, That'd you, be cool. that, that's right. And, um, Sorry, the culture. And, and I want to, you've got to put that in one of the episodes. Yeah. Don't be a whiner. Whiner, be a winner. Be a winner. You, you take the H out, you <laughs> break totally. it and turn it into an N, and then That's, put it in. Exactly. Do it. Exactly. Hey, you know what? You know what the crazy thing is, I uh, uh, we were talking about this earlier. I was, we were working on music. Kids' music is a gold mine. So you have you have uh, without naming any of these these industries, they do cover songs for kids, but like. Parents so desperately want kid-friendly versions of culture that they go, they spend a ridiculous amount of money. There was one story I read, uh, it's like 20 years ago, 
everyone, it, it was, it was like this meme online of who is the highest grossing artist of like, you know, 2008 or whatever. Mm -hmm. And everyone says like, oh, it's gotta be Justin Timberlake or it's gotta, be, and it's some woman no one ever heard of who sold kids music. And they were like, well, that's not what we really meant. It, she writes and records music and she sells it to a, to a, ch a family audience. And she made more money than like any other artist mm. because parents really, really do want wholesome, good yeah. family friendly content. The problem now is with like Drag Queen Story Hour, the past several years, the far left has been knowing this, trying to target kids to corrupt them in ways that will make them permanently unhappy, depressed, or medically dependent. Yeah. We need to, to, to put a stop to that. But my point ultimately is there, there, there's a capitalist profit to be made in doing this. So it's not just about an ideological mission. It's good business. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. And I think so many parents, the ones that I speak to as I'm traveling around the country, speaking at schools and churches and libraries, uh, they know this. These are the values that they know lead to their blessing and to their liberty and their protection for their kids for future generations. There is a set of values that produces the United States of America and all of its uh, all of its blessings. Um, th there's a, a quote from one of our founding fathers that I love that I, I know that, that you'll love, Tim, um, Noah Webster. So a founding father, father of American education, gave us Webster's dictionary. He said, every civil government is based on some religion or philosophy of life. The education of that nation promotes the religion of that nation. And in America, that foundational religion was Christianity. It was sown into the hearts of Americans through the home and through public and private schools for centuries. He said, our liberty, our growth and prosperity is the result of a biblical philosophy of life. And our continued freedom and success depends on educating the children in America in the principles of Christianity. This is one of my uh, my obsessions, this concept. I wa it was uh, six, seven years ago, and uh, I think it was like Seventh-day Adventists or something were, were canvassing my neighborhood and uh, came to my house, and it was like, I don't know, a 14-year-old girl and her brother, and her parents were across the street, and her, she had a big family. And uh, I, they knock on the door and answer it, and they asked if they asked questions about religion and I started lecturing these young girls on the origins of Blackstone's formulation and civil liberties in this country and how they're rooted in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah in the Bible. And they were just like, okay, I think this guy knows quite a bit. I was like, look, I'll be, I'll be real. I'm not a Christian. I believe in God. I grew up Catholic. Don't really uh, follow organized religion, but I am deeply in, uh, uh, I love the history of this country. I love understanding the bill of rights. I love understanding why the founding fathers decided to enshrine the things they did and why. And it is undeniable. It is a fact. It is, it's, this, is not a, this is not an opinion. It is a historical fact. It was concepts of biblical teaching. Benjamin Franklin said it is better that 100 guilty persons escape than one innocent suffer, which is an expansion upon Blackstone's formulation. It is better that 10, innocent per, uh, 10 guilty persons escape than one innocent person suffer. You read the history about Blackstone's formulation, and it's rooted in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. If there is but one righteous person, I will, you know, I will, I will not destroy the city. And the idea is logical and it is brilliant. The founding fathers didn't just read the Bible and say, let's just do what the Bible says. They actually thought about what it would mean to create a government that opposed those teachings. And the logic is sound. It is this simple. If the citizens of a nation believe that even if they are innocent, they will be punished and risk being harmed by their government. They have no incentive to cooperate. They have no incentive to be good citizens. But if they believe that the government will strive to protect the innocent at all costs, even 
if it could result in guilty people going free, they have every reason to be innocent, to cooperate and be good citizens. Mm. And that that idea, they thought about it, actually goes all the way back to the Bible. And it's more than just that. If you if you look at so much of what the founding fathers believe, their morality is rooted in, in, in Christian teaching. And it's hilarious that I love to mention Bill Maher, uh, and Dennis Prager elaborates on this, but Bill Maher is a, 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 his morality is rooted in Christianity. He would reject or deny this. He's an atheist. He's secular. But I, I wonder actually if I, if we sat down and had the philosophical conversation about the root of the moralities he believes in free speech, uh, uh, you know, liberty, classical liberalism, these things come from biblical teachings. He may agree with, with, and then say something to the fact of like, but I don't believe, you know, in the Bible and all that stuff. And that's fine. But it's fascinating that you can have someone who, you know, he made a documentary religious and, uh, and I don't, I don't mean to pick on him, but he's like your quintessential atheist. And he's a, he's a, he's a liberal guy. And of, of, you know, he's pushed back on wokeness. He believes in free speech. And these ideas come from Christian teachings. Ask anybody who's been to Asia, you understand they don't have those same principles. Mm -mm. It really is from the Bible that we, we get these ideas. I, my, my issue is with Christianity is like, I was agnostic most of my life. I kind of found God through science in a lot of ways, like the cosmic microwave background radiation. You see these fractal radiation patterns that look like a neural net in the brain. I'm like, yo, there's some sentient momentum going on in the universe pulsing through us. Mm. But I, I fear when governments use religions to twist their populace and to control their population. And when yeah. they say like, serve your Lord, it's like, yo, that's what they call the guy, the landlord. He's the owner. Like you're supposed to serve the man that, and, and that's why I, I, Fear that people, if they're if they're dogmatic with it, that they will bow down to the Lord when He comes in as a tyrant. Um, but the a lot of the principles, the virtues, and things make a lot of sense. And what Jesus like, rather than worship Jesus, live like Jesus. Do what He would have done if He was alive today. Use the modern technology to pick up the torch. I, I wonder. Uh, my view of it is anybody who truly is following <clears throat> the faith and the teachings would be resilient to manipulation from a tyrant. But anybody, but but people could easily be manipulated by the tyrant into believing they're following the teachings is the challenge. So part of it sounds like if 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 you're, you know, as the, the bumper sticker says, my treasure lies in heaven, then the corrupt dictator can come to you and command you to do evil and you'll say, no, there's nothing you can tell me to do that make me violate what I know to be true and good. And that is defensive against tyranny. Unfortunately, there are many people who have no moral foundation, have no fear of of being a bad person, and there are people who are easily manipulated. And then what you end up with is, I, I think for me, one of the things fairly, fairly obvious to like basically every Christian is that liberals lie about what, what Christians and conservatives believe. And then for me as like a young person growing up in Chicago, there was this, this um, dissonance between what the liberals are telling me and what I'm experiencing in my school. So I think that actually helped me be a bit more resilient to the propaganda you'd get from secular and left-wing organizations that hate Christianity, because I'm like, that's not true. I know tons of, I know a priest, I know tons of religious people. They don't think or say the things you're doing, you're lying. That's not true. Um, but at the same time, I can absolutely see growing up people who have this, this like propagandized view of the other side. You know, it is what it is, I guess. It's tough. I don't have any answers. I think a lot of people have bad experiences with religion you know in, in the u.s it's dominantly christian so therefore they become turned off because men are fallible and so therefore there are going to be people who say well i'm a christian and so therefore i do these things and they don't actually believe they don't actually live that doctrine but they sort of give it a bad name i mean there are 
tons of Americans who identify as Christian, but they don't. We know based on all, you know, Pew Research, different surveys, that church attendance is down. So I have people who say I'm Christian, but don't actually practice it. I have to do this right now. Someone just super chatted. Tim, can you please match the amount and donate to Kirk's kids show? Yes. By the end of this show at 10 p.m., whatever the super chat revenue is, I will write a check for the same amount uh, uh, in, plus the super chats. So if the super chats are 20K, I'll write a check for 40K for your kids show. Wow. Exciting. Thank you. Yeah, well, that's awesome. You know, someone asked, we've done it before for other causes, and I like to think that, you know, there's this there's this uh, 19-year-old, I don't want to call him a kid. He's a 19-year-old man, but he was in Florida, and uh, it's it, just north of Boca Raton, and he, there's a pride flag painted in the middle of the street. As he was turning left, he pushes the brakes and the gas down, skids out, and puts a burn over that flag. They charged him with a felony for that. Okay, look, I get it. Don't do a burnout and damage someone's painting if the, if the community painted it. Like, okay, they're, they're allowed to do that. But a felony? It is getting insane. That's a blasphemy law. Mm. So, so I, 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 I sent 10 grand to his legal defense, give, send, go, tweeted about it. I want everyone to know I did it because I want to rally people to, to support this kid because we can't, we can't tolerate. Look, he should get a fine. Maybe they make him go clean it off. Okay. I don't, I don't like the pride stuff. I don't like the weird woke stuff, whatever. But people are allowed to have things you don't like. If I had a Gadsden flag and someone destroyed it, I'd want them to, to clean it. But a felony for a 19-year-old? So with this right now, if we, if we really, if you guys really want to see this kid's show oh, funded, I will serious. absolutely. Uh, I like to, I say this all the time. Look, we make a lot of money. And I want everyone to know that I care more about seeing your show happen then I care about owning a Ferrari. Well, dude, big super chats. Send in your super chats. Get them doubled up. So people are donating to Iggy and Mr. Kirk. But like, how? What's the money for? How? What are you using like to fund? Like incrementally, yeah. break it down for me. Yeah. So we need to make a, a world class show that is so high quality that kids are going to love this. Uh, that's going to be able to compete with the other television shows that you see out there. And so half of that money is going toward the production of the writing the scripts, of writing the songs, of the animation of all of the stories, the sets, making the actual show. And then the other half of the money is gonna to go toward promoting and distributing the show. So we need to let everybody know that it's out there, that, they're, that they wanna watch it, and it becomes a really big hit show. And then we can, we can grow and we can, we can make the show bigger and bigger. Is, is this a nonprofit? No, this is not a nonprofit. This is going to be uh, through Brave Books. Um, but uh, so let's just say once we once we get close to wrapping the show at 10, whatever the number is, we'll just figure out the proper accounting for writing the check. Because uh, we did this with um, uh, after Sound of Freedom mm -hmm. when uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting the Angel Studios, Angel Studios. With the Harmons. It wasn't the Harmons. It was the, the Dudes Foundation. Oh. Do you remember? The, oh. No, 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 the foundation for helping kids. Yeah, I can't remember the name of that. Oh, remember. oh, yeah. Um, yeah, what was the name of the foundation? Well, well, we, this we, is we, Jim Caviezel's foundation? No, no, no. no uh, um, I'm forgetting. I'm, I'm, I feel bad forgetting. We're all off name. tonight. It's weird. I know, right? Everybody in the chat's going to be like, I know he's the same name as me. Uh, oh. Oh, Tim Ballard. Yeah, Tim Ballard. Ballard. Jeez. Tim Ballard. Yeah, we, 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 we did the same thing. We, we said super chat and we'll match it. Uh he had a nonprofit though, so I can easily make a nonprofit donation, you know. But for a for-profit thing, I have to figure out accounting-wise what's the legal method of like writing a check that large. But we'll do it, you know. Whatever. Where are you guys shooting it? We'll get you that. We'll, we'll help you get that funding. Oh, that's awesome! Thank you, thank you. Uh, we're going to be shooting this in Texas, right in the Houston area. 
Is, we got a great film company out there that's going to be putting it all together. Is it hard to find film companies that'll work on this kind of thing? Or Actually, are they no, up? no. There, there's so many companies. There are there are animators, there are authors, there are songwriters, there are actors in, in Hollywood and film companies that are dying to get out of the the, the woke um, an jungle, and they want an alternative. And often there's just not. You can get uh, blacklisted by being part of the wrong projects, but if they feel that there is really um, uh, a viable alternative over the long haul, and I'm, we're seeing more and more of these kinds of projects. I mean, look at The Chosen. Uh, that's such a great thing. People are just dying to get over there and, yeah. are you, and, and get fresh air and breathe. Are you that based was, in Texas? The Chosen autoplay on my TV the other day, really? or like, like a week or two ago. Yeah. It's feeding you. Cool. <laughs> it was. I was <laughs> like, hey, this is crazy. Where does the iguana come from? Just out of my own personal curiosity. Uh, well, I, I like lizards and uh, ki kids love lizards and iguanas. There's actually lots of animals in the show. Um, they're animated animals that are living on a place called Freedom Island. And um, Iggy is going to be the only puppet on the show. And puppeteering is a dying art. Like one of, I just read this thing, this is so random, but one of the only um, universities in the country that offer a puppeteering course just lost its funding. I think it was mm. West Virginia University is, is one of the, one of the last places you can get like learn the skills of building puppets and whatever yeah. else. Um, well, it's, it's one of the things as we've tested uh, the things that we filmed already, kids absolutely, they're, they're crazy about Iggy. Iggy is just adorable, and uh, they just they just want to keep watching the videos over and over and over because he's so cute. You're making puppets great again. I love that, it. That's right. Conventional Kermit effects. The, Kermit the Frog, Elmo, yeah, Iggy. All the Star Wars, like in the early days, I, I am often let down by CGI. I don't hate it, but compared to like a dude in a in a mask and a costume, there's just something about the reality. That's it's right. real. That's and right. Like, that's a good thing to teach children, too. Like Not everything is digital, cartoony. There's actually... It's acting, you know. There's a person making this happen too, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, what's who's the lizard? Is that a character on the show? Well, Iggy is the iguana. Oh, Iggy. Iggy is the iguana. So you didn't it's, go it's... with Lizzie the lizard. No, <laughs> we didn't go. <laughs> Not yet, but there's 20 episodes. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't want to room to grow. Maybe Iggy needs a love interest later. Do they? How violent does the show get? I imagine the answer is not. But do they throw pies, or is it none of that? Well, uh, let's see. There's. There is some violence in the show. Uh, in some of the in some of the stories that are animated, you've got these wolves that want to take the uh, the the animals off of Freedom Island to their island called Utopia, where there is free ice cream for everyone. This is our anti-socialism uh, lesson, and so they're doing all sorts of bad things to destroy Freedom Island. So uh, yeah, I I think kids are going to absolutely love it. Parents are going to love it. Um, they're teaching the right kind of lessons. It's hilarious. It's beautifully animated. And uh, Lee Allen Baker from Disney's Good Luck Charlie is going to be doing this together with me. And then we have more guest stars that are that are coming on board. I'm just picturing you in like a bandolier with like an, an, an M16 or whatever. Uh, maybe not this show. Maybe, you know, maybe not. This is great. I'm excited for this. And we're already up to $6,500. So oh, that's, that's awesome, everybody. So that's 13000 total. Cause I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to double it. So let's see what we hit to. We, and that's only, it's only been what, four minutes. So yeah, uh, are when, fire. when, uh, when we had Tim here and we were talking about, you know, he was starting a new nonprofit. I, I don't know. I think, I don't know. Someone may have asked her uh, to do the same thing. Someone said like, Hey, would you contribute? And I was like, I saw that there was like $2,000 in super chats and there was only like 10 minutes left of the show. I was like, I'll match whatever it is. And it instantly jumped to 25,000. And I was like, I got to write a check for 50 grand right now, I but happy to do crowdfunding it. Crowdfunding and 
finding people with good ideas and then crowdfunding money is like the next phase of evolution of our species. Cause like the only way we can overcome an oligopoly is by the people funding their own creations. Voting with your dollars, parallel economy, shout out mm. public square, download the app. Yes. <clears throat> it's super. This powerful. is exactly it. And, and especially cause you're giving the shot for free. I mean, this right here is basically people when you're when you're super chatting right now or when you're going to, to Brave Books and helping su su fund this through crowdfunding, you're basically buying the product. So, you know, where does it go? Is it on YouTube? Where do you guys? It's going to be on YouTube. It's going to be on Rumble. It's going to be on uh, platforms that everybody can access. Uh, and, and one of the other cool things is that uh, it, it's not just getting the product of the show made, but there's these really cool rewards. Like I, I was mentioning earlier, um, you can get one of your kids, or your grandkids in one of the episodes. You can get um, red carpet premiere tickets. And uh, we've got some really cool parties and things happening where you get to meet all of us and, and hang out with Iggy the Iguana in Nashville. Uh, you can look at all of those rewards based on the support level that you give at watchbrave.com. Are you satisfied with the way your career has gone and, and went from growing pains to now oh i'm 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 beyond satisfied um and it's not that i've won some award i've, I've not won an academy award or anything like that um here i am on um i mean most most child actors who stay in the business long enough it, things usually don't end well and oh, yeah I'm I'm really grateful that you know I I I I'm not in prison you know after doing something really awful and uh, here I am I'm married I've got six children uh, my wife still loves me I'm a part of projects that I'm passionate about I I feel like I'm pushing back the darkness a little bit I'm making inroads for the light and uh, I'm on Timcast and so I mean how could I not be satisfied This is awesome I feel like if you take a look at the uh plethora of child actors and where they ended up you are at like the number one spot of success in living a good life not falling into the pitfalls and 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 horrible realities that befall yeah. many of these people you know what i mean and 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 i and i i'm not just trying to feign humility here i really didn't have any some any great strategy to 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 make it through unscathed um i really feel like and i don't just feel i i, I know i was um an atheist and at about 17, 18 years old, there was a big turnaround for me. And um, a really cute girl on the set asked me to go to uh, meet her and her family one weekend. And she gave me the address and it was a church. I didn't want to go to church. I thought Jesus was part of a different trinity, um, the tooth fairy, the Easter bunny and God. Uh, but she was really cute. And I sat in the back row and I heard a message and it was the message of the gospel um, uh, um, correctly communicated um, it wasn't trying to fleece people for money. It wasn't trying to manipulate people and moralize them. It was a much deeper soul stirring message that got me asking questions. And I found myself sitting in my sports car parked on the side of the road saying, God, if you're real, I want to know if you're there, uh, please show me because, uh, <laughs> if there's a heaven, I'd like to go and I want to be the person I'm actually created to be. And I started going to church. Someone gave me a Bible that sent me in a whole new trajectory in my life that I am sure uh, if that hadn't have happened, we wouldn't be sitting here today. Um, a friend of mine at the time, a minister said, Kirk, if anybody ever asks you, how did you find God in Hollywood? He said, let me remind you, um, you didn't find God. He wasn't lost. You were, and he found you. Wow. And that's exactly, True. that feels like the description of what happened to me. Yeah, it's always I, there. It, like I had, um, it, 
thoughts would come into my head and distract me. And then I decided to confess. I didn't know what I was doing, but I made YouTube videos 2006. I was like, I got to just be honest. What would Jesus do right now? He'd use this tech. And I started telling people all my past and my secrets and they stopped popping into my head. And then I learned how to think words instead of say them. And I would think words to God. I'll communicate with God with my thoughts. And it responds with images of like, um, what do I do next? I'll think it and it'll show me doing something or I'll hear a sound of voice, kind of a like a, a noise that mm. I can decipher as a, as a text, you know, a answer. I, I wanna, I wanna and it answers you. before you even finish the question because it knows what you're going to ask. I want to tell mm. you a story. Mm. I want to tell you a story. I, I, I think I've told the story on the show a couple of times. I was, uh, I knew some guys who skateboarded. <clears throat> I met them uh, in Chicago. They're really cool dudes and uh, they were Christians. And there was this, uh, there are the people, there, there were some young people that were smack talking them because one guy was very obviously Christian, but never talked about it. <clears throat> I didn't care. So I went and hung out with them and they hung out at this, what people would call a Christian commune. It wasn't literally a commune. It was just like a building owned by a church and they allowed, you know, wayward souls and people looking for opportunity to come and work and support them. So uh, one of these guys, he's like a punk rock dude, but he's very devout. And I asked him like, we, we got into the subject of why people were talking smack about them for being Christian when all they did was skate and mind their own business. And I'm like, that's just so weird to me. Like people got to hate, you know? But I asked him like, you know, if you don't mind me asking, like you never do talk about it. Can you tell me how you ended up getting in, uh, involved in Christianity and becoming religious? Wild story. He was a young drug addict, punk rock, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Didn't care about anything. Partying, drinking, just all the worst stuff. So one day he was like hanging out in the woods at a party drinking and doing drugs one day he wakes up in the morning and he walks away from his group sleeping you know just in the refuse outside goes to take a leak and as he's taking a leak he feels a booming voice from within him that that immediately said what are you doing and he was immediately terrified he said i was like scared shocked i started like you know putting my junk away i'm like taking a piss and i'm like what and then it said why are you doing this to yourself and he said, I don't know. And it said, you need to stop. And that, it, that was the gist of it. Mm. And that day, he was just like shocked and immediately sought answers. And he found it with the church and they talked to him. And it was wild to hear a story of, you remove that story. He told me that. He says, I, I can never convince you that happened to me. And I don't need to because it did. And it changed my life. And I was like, I believe you. You had an experience. It's a story of a guy who went from being a drug addict who was derelict, down down on everything, and a drain on society to a productive, healthy, positive member of society because of this experience he had for whatever reason he had it. He was wise to listen because God will be cryptic sometimes like that. It'll say you need to stop and you know in your gut what it means, but the ego might be like, stop what? And that's like, you got to overcome that ego and like you know immediately what it's telling you when it tells you we're gonna go to super chats for which we have a massive amount already twelve thousand dollars in super chats which means uh i'll just round up to the number that sounds right for, at this point we'll say twenty five thousand dollars and uh, it looks like it's very easy i can actually just go onto the website click join the tier and pay with a credit card so that should be totally uh easy for us to do um we're gonna read your super chats and uh, uh smash the like button subscribe to this channel share the show with your friends no members only show tonight, uh, but you know. Oh, really? Yeah, no members oh, only. I didn't know that. Okay, cool. Yeah, so, uh, but become a member at TimCast if you want to support our work. More importantly, right now, any super chat you give, I will match. TimCast will match, and we will use that to help fund Kirk's show, which uh, I think is more than deserving considering you're going to put out for free anyway. 
So yep. this is absolutely one of the most important things we can do in winning the culture war. So again, make your super chat. I don't care if you say nothing or anything, but that money I will match. So you put in five bucks, I'll put five bucks on top. You put in a hundred, I'll put a hundred on top. You put in 10,000, I will put 10,000 on top. If we hit $50,000 in super chats, I will write a check for a hundred thousand dollars. Well, I don't know if I can write, I don't know if you can take a check, but we'll, we'll work it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. We'll put it in an envelope or whatever and uh, we'll make that happen. Uh, so long as we have the capability to do it. I mean, if someone puts like a million dollars in there, I don't think it would be impossible. So there's got, I guess the cap would be like a hundred grand or something. I don't know. That's why everyone always says like up to a certain number. Cause at a certain point, I literally <laughs> yeah. don't have the money, but uh, we'll read your super chats. Mr. Leviticus, the sexy says for our children, for the, oh, oh man. <laughs> okay. Well, I, that's such a funny name. Well, I have, I actually have some bad news. The super chats have, have crashed YouTube. <laughs> oh, wow. You're right. Yeah. So all the other super chats, uh, um, oh man, they're gone. Oh, bummer. We got too many too quick. Here's what I want to do. There was one that I think was really, really important. Oh, wow. I'm going to see if I can try and find, cause it was from earlier in the show. Yeah. Let me see if yeah, I can. Yeah, you can go look at that. See, this How is do you some find behind, this? behind the scenes uh, stuff. You're crashing super chats Wait, over I here. I like wow. Earn. Is that what it's under? Probably. Let's I don't see. Know. Uh, supers. Yeah. Uh, super chats. Insta oh, jeez. No, I wild. think they're gone. Oh, bummer. Someone wanted a shout out because they said that uh, his wife, you were her like a high school, you know, teeny bopper crush or whatever. Okay. I got to find it. I got to find okay. it. I'm like, that yeah. one's too good to pass up, but we got so many super chats, it's gone. Let me see if I can find it. I've never seen that happen before. So do, do your kids, you said that your kids had never seen uh, Growing Pains, right? And Pretty close to never. It was And it wasn't intentional. You just had them watching other things. They were well, doing other stuff. I, I, maybe some celebrities have tapes of themselves running in their house for their children. It'd be weird, but, though. <laughs> be very weird. I, I, I never had uh, <clears throat> Growing Pains playing in the house. Our kids were growing up on I Love Lucy episodes and, um, you know. Uh, Little House on the Prairie, stuff like that. And uh, I, I'm so glad. We actually didn't have a TV on much at all in our house. Uh, as the kids were little, we tried to just keep them outside as much mm -hmm. as possible. But uh, but they, they think it's pretty funny now when they watch episodes of me and their mom as boyfriend and girlfriend on the show. And they're like, I got it. we know how this ends. Oh, yeah, all right, yeah. all right. Real, on the real show? Quick. Yeah, she was my girlfriend on the show. Dude, that's awesome. Isn't that awesome? All right, C.D. Hannon says, can I please get a shout out to my wife, Bobby, from Kirk? He was one of her teenage crushes, and it would probably make her day. Bobby? <laughs> that, that's her name, right? Or yeah. is that his name? Bobby. No, Bobby. Bobby! I got the letter that you wrote me all those years ago when you joined the fan club. Uh, I'm so sorry I didn't write back to you, but I'm trying to make it up to you now. You guys, nice to meet you. <laughs> everyone ended up happily. She's married. You're married. Yeah. You know. As it was intended to be. Man, that Growing Pain show was awesome, dude. It was here's, just so here's, good. Here's one for you. Oh. The intro music. The show me that smile again. Yeah, yeah. Tidlet, <laughs> Tidlet DJ asks, Thomas. Super chat for you. Hey, Kirk, are you a good person? I, I know where this is going. <laughs> and the answer is no, I am not. <laughs> are you humble? It's, um, well, that's kind of a trick question, right? <laughs> it is. Humblest. <laughs> Do you believe in good and evil? Do you find, do you look at life yeah. in black and whites like that? Yeah, yes, I do believe in good and evil. Yeah, I do. Um, yeah. Do you think of them as like binary opposites, counterpositions? I, I, I think so. I think so. I, I, I think I've, I think of, of evil as the absence of good. And um, 
And I think good is much more powerful than evil. That's what gives me hope. That's what gives me hope and confidence when I wake up every morning. I start to think of good, evil, and neutral. Yeah. I don't know if there's such a thing as neutral, but I think I think there is. I can't tell. So uh, Franco Phillips says, Kirk, I'm the perfect age for growing pains. 1974. Great show. Any comments on the late Boner Stabone? I thought that was hilarious as a kid, and I'm surprised they gave him that name. Mad yeah. respect for you. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy name, right? That yeah. was, his name was Boner. He was my favorite. He was my, my buddy on the show. And uh, Is we, that a we, real name? That's a real name. Well, then, then to, to sort of add insult to injury, <laughs> you know, I, I, it's one of these deals where there's, a, there's like a censor, not a censor, there's a standards guy from the network that, that approves all the scripts. And when this went through... Um, I know that the standards guy asked the writers, like, what's with the name? And they were like, what do you mean? Like, no, like, what are you, what are you, what are you talking about? What are you thinking about? And so they, they let it go through. And then later on in, in the season, they actually did an episode that give the origin of his name. And so they flash back to when we were little kids. And I was, minor character's name was Mike. So little Mikey meets his little next door neighbor that just moved in. And his name was Richard. His name was Richard Stabone. No. <laughs> And then they say, and that's how the whole, and they played the whole thing. Oh, yeah, well, my friends call me Dickie, you know, and, and then all of a sudden it's Stabone, and then he, he became known as Boner. Stabone. Stabone was his last name. So and they called so him the, Boner. Yeah. So sadly, um, he committed suicide. Oh, man. And he's not here anymore. Man. And uh, that's that's um, a, a tragic ending to that story. But, uh, you know, his he came from a, a family of actors. His His dad... Uh, was I believe uh, Chekhov on Star Trek? Wow, was it? I'm getting the names mixed up. Sulu or Chekhov? Sulu was the was the woman, right? No, no, no. no. That's um, no, that uh, was Ahura. 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 That's yeah. right. I believe it was. I believe it was Chekhov. Yeah, was, Chekhov was, was the. Uh, uh, what did he count? Was he comms? I don't know. I never Pavel Chekhov. Yeah, Pavel Chekhov. Yeah, who's he was the actor? Actor. He was comms, right? Anyway, I believe it was his dad. Walter Koenig. Yes, Walter Koenig. And this was, and Boner was Andrew Koenig. And so, um, anyway, so that's, that's a... Is it, might that, be, might be pronounced that, Koenig. Man, that, it, living, a childhood actor must be a, such a freaking tough life. Yeah, can, can you imagine just the amount of pressure, um, the amount of opportunity to get involved in things that are just not good for you? And then you've got adults who are profiting off of your success as a child who are going to wind up being yes men. And not really protecting you because you're limiting their ability to flourish. Did you have a good mentor? I had a good mom. Honestly, I had a good mom. My dad's a, a PE, a physical education teacher at a junior high school. Um, and my mom was with me and my sisters. And my sister, Candace Cameron, is also on a TV show called Full House. And she's been doing all these other things too, right? So she's actually... Um, managing both of us when we're kids on these hit TV shows. And so I, I ultimately um, have my parents to thank for keeping me on, on the straight and narrow during those early w years. Would your Did mom you be on set with you guys? Yeah, she'd be on set until we got a little bit older. My, my sister's younger than me, so she kind of shifted over to her show. Uh, but as I got older, um, not so much anymore. That was Ron Howard, too. His dad would be on set with him on... Um... Oh, that, oh yeah, uh, Andy Griffith show. He'd yeah, be, his dad every day would be on set, and yeah. that's why Ron turned out so great. I think. Yeah, Did yeah. You, if if you have kids in the industry, you, you really have to be because I mean they'll just they'll they'll devour those kids. We're at sixteen thousand dollars so far. So awesome. Total so far is thirty two k. They'll be going in. Uh, so raise the get, roof. Get your super chats in. For awesome, the next you minutes. guys are awesome. Were Did we, you feel <laughs> that effect 
as a kid like did you realize that you were positively influenced by having your parents there because i could imagine being like a young successful actor you're like mom please leave the set let me do like you know whatever the other cast people get to do yeah i i think i felt a little of that but i was also grateful and um i've i've i got a rock star for a mom she's just amazing and everybody loved her uh every friday my mom would my mom was a great cook and so she she bakes these cookies that are these phenomenally delicious chocolate chip cookies and she would bake like 12 dozen of them and bring them in in this giant basket and there would be a line waiting at the craft service table for her cookies to come in and people would hoard them in little plates and like sneak them back off to their offices so my mom was very popular on the set and i loved having her there too um as i as i got older it uh, wasn't necessary so much and and I and I, I got involved with a good group of friends, and most of my friends were not in Hollywood. So my um, you know my my touchstones, my north stars, uh, those those moral anchors for me in terms of my community were outside of Hollywood, and um, my job was a job. How did but you, it wasn't my identity. Let me. How did you book it? We we'll go to the next. But how did you yeah. book Growing Pains? Like, did you audition in L.A.? Did you like fly out? And- yeah. I I, uh, I live in Los Angeles. I grew up in Los Angeles and never wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be a doctor when I was a little kid, but uh, my mom had a friend who said, you should try this acting thing. We did. And I started working right away and I auditioned for the role of Growing Pains uh, against a bunch of other little kids. Um, River Phoenix, Corey Haim, Corey Feldman, <laughs> all those kids. We were all contemporaries at the yeah. time. And uh, I got the part. And Alan Thicke was the star of the show. He's a Canadian talk show host. And we started the show and- Man, it just took off, and so seven seasons later, wow, huge! You just nailed. I, all, you went an off book, and you just nailed it. I just nailed it. I uh, I married my on screen girlfriend, um, and it was man. like. Did just you invite a the casting story. director, whoever casted her, to your wedding? <laughs> I should have. Like, I should have. I really like your choice for this I, part. I, I, it I was the appropriate casting. Uh, let me read this. This is from uh, Misery. Says Ian, turn the other cheek is is not about responding back. Any is is about not responding back in emotional, impeded, wrathful mentality. Turn to a mental state. Respond in calm, uh, in calm, properly thought out response. There is mention of selling your cloak to buy a sword. Yeah, uh, Jesus did say, if you do not have a sword, you should sell your cloak and buy one. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that was about the Romans were going to come and, and take him. And he was telling his followers to, to defend themselves and him. I, could be wrong. I was talking to Seamus about it. That's what he told me. But, you know, That's I, I am not done. a scholar on this. But I, but it is fascinating when um, I love seeing the, the the left make the gun control argument. And it's like, you know, Jesus was not like just laid down and let them destroy everything. Yeah, I wouldn't call him a pacifist. But he well, understood the value of peace. Did any of your kids want to become actors? No. Um, my My youngest son may still try his hand at it but but generally speaking i don't have any aspiring actors in the family and do you um, think that's by design or are you sort of guiding them right out of hollywood we, or we didn't we didn't discourage it um i mean my kids are so talented my son um he's a video producer uh doesn't want to get in front of the camera but loves being behind the camera and he loves playing the guitar um daughter who sings um a poet uh an artist so i've got creative kids who love to perform, but in Picked front of the camera, mediums. not so much. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys do a lot of home movies, making movies? 
We do we do do home movies. Uh, we're, we're kind of famous for our for our family Christmas movies that oh, we make. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we send those out to our friends. I'll have to send that to you this year. Okay, yeah. All right. Unwoke said the night Jesus was arrested, he told his followers to arm themselves to defend themselves against the tyrannical authorities. He stopped them from defending him because his time had come, but theirs had not. Right. That's what it was. I was wrong. Yeah. He he knew his time has had come, but his followers had not. Man, that I think about what he must have been going through. Do you guys ever see Jesus Christ Superstar? You ever hear that musical? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of told about from yeah. Judas's perspective and like Judas watching Jesus devolve and like take start to believe his own hype. And he's like, Jesus, when we started, it was about the message. It's becoming about you. This is a problem. And Jesus is like, yeah! like he's just like <laughs> losing it. And then he, then he gets so exhausted. He's like, just take me. I can't do this anymore. Just die I, and let it go. I did not see it, but I did see the passion recently. I had not seen it until like three or no, maybe like six months ago. Mm. And I recommend it. You know, I, I like the media gave it this. Uh, uh, they really ragged on it for being like very brutal and violent. But the the history of it, I think, is substantially more important because even if you are not a Christian, it's historical reference is really, really interesting. I, it's fascinating. And it's and it's it's like actual real. It's real history. There are people who want to argue that, you know, maybe Jesus was not the son of God. And like, yeah, that's it. That's believe what you want to believe. Okay. If you believe, if you don't watch the movie, because there were things Great I, movie. there were, there were things that I didn't actually understand about the Roman empire, the, uh, uh the religious, uh, authorities. And, uh, you know, I just thought it was, it was, yeah, it was fascinating to like see the historical context of what was going on, how the Romans handled and all that stuff was very interesting. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, Super Chats at this point just turn into, can you please match the amount? And then sure enough, bang, we now have uh, 18,000 in Super Chats. Nice. Yeah, people like the passion. Do you find that's how most people are finding out of the show? Sort of grassroots, word of mouth? Or are you guys working with any specific people to kind of push it? Well, um, we're here. We want to help... um, do everything that we can to get get the word out to as many people who care about the same kind of things that we care about as we can. But yeah, it's it's mostly grass grassroots. It's people spreading the word. I've been um, going to New York tomorrow and talking with some friends there, and just been touring around and telling as many people as we can. And people are so excited about it; they want to be a part of something that mm-hmm. makes a difference. Um, and, and not just getting depressed, not just feeling like you know we're inching toward the the, the cliff of destruction and despair, but that there really is hope. Um, listen. When I look through history, um, it seems that the times when people open their eyes, they wake up and they speak up uh, are always at times of moral decline, spiritual apathy, political corruption, and economic collapse. People say, holy cow, what have we done? There's something so precious on the line here. We have so much at stake. Now is the time. And uh, we've had great awakenings in this country, um, spiritual awakenings that turn into cultural uh, revivals. And I'm thinking that we're due for another one right now. Yeah. It reminds me of when people say, you know, some people only remember to pray when they're in crisis, yeah. but actually should be praying all the time. Yeah. Uh, people turn and sort of reevaluate things when they think think things are going wrong. But actually building culture, maintaining culture comes in times of, you know, peace, so to speak, when things are okay or when yeah. you think that you're, you know, on, on the right path, you need to maintain the things that you have. What are those four little stanzas that, uh, that we've heard that... Um, you know, good men produce good times. Yeah, it's a uh, uh, good uh, times. Strong, strong men make good times. Good times make weak men. Weak men make hard times. Hard times make strong men. That's right. I, I think these hard times are making strong men mm. and women. I feel that. Yeah, I think what's crazier is how many people like me 
were like fairly liberal, fairly laissez-faire, and then watching how insane the Democratic Party and the left has become has sort of re reaffirmed morality in a lot of urban liberal types, creating the disaffected liberal post-liberal faction, which now finds themselves aligned with conservatives and Christians on moral issues. Hmm. Like, you know, I, I grew up Catholic. Uh, a variety of things resulted in my family basically leaving, but always remain my family always remained Christian. But then I went through this, like, I don't know, from probably like 14 until 18, staunch atheist hardcore. And I tell the story where I met a guy and, uh, you know, young punk rock, liberal propaganda, radio music, everything they were saying, I was just eating it all up. And then I met this dude who skated and he had a picture of Jesus on his wall. And I, he, he's like, he was a good skater. Everybody knew him. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm hanging out with the cool kids now. And I come into his, to hang out at his place with, with some people. And he's got Jesus on his wall. And I'm like, what is this? Are you a Christian or something? And he's like, no. And then I was like, why do you have a picture of Jesus on your wall? And he was like, I just saw a story about a guy who traveled around helping people. It was pretty cool. And then and that was like a single drop of water in the cup of faith where I was like, you're right. Why did I have this negative perspective? Like I was being fed this narrative of Christians being bad, of being evil. And then I'm like, if this dude's only takeaway is forget everything else, he helped a bunch of people. How cool is that? I'm like, that's a really good point. And then I was like, okay. And that kind of shifted my perspective of a formative moment. Another formative moment was when I was hanging out at, a, oh, I, the, the, the atheists really hate me for this one. Uh, no disrespect to the atheists. I'm not saying, ragging on you, but you know, I get, I get flagged for this. I was hanging out. I, I worked at O'Hare Airport. This is around the same age. And uh, a guy... Just like, I think I was reading a book on physics and this like this Hispanic coworker who was like 10 years older than me is like, hey, pool. He's like, you, uh, you believe in God? And I was like, no. And he's like, you don't believe in God? And I was like, no. And he was like, you're not, you're not Christian. You're nothing. And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, whatever. And he's like, oh, okay. So, uh, you know, what do you read? And I was like, it's like a book on quantum physics or something. He's like, oh, cool. He's like, so, so what are you breathing right now? And then I was like, what? He's like, what are you breathing? And I was like, air. He's like, yeah, what is it? And then me thinking I'm all smart. I'm like, oxygen, carbon dioxide, but mostly nitrogen. Trace elements is water, vapor, methane. Next question. And he's like, oh, okay. How do you know that? And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? How do I know that? I, I was like, I, I read it in school. And he's like, oh, you read it in school that you're breathing, you're breathing air. And I was like, well, yeah, like we, 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 we breathe the air in. It's mostly nitrogen. Our body takes the oxygen out of it. He's like, oh, okay. But you know that because you, you learned it in school. And I was like, right. And he's like, yeah, you read it in a book. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, so you did the experiments where you took the electron microscope and you looked at the oxygen molecules bonding to the carbon dioxide. And I was like, no, <laughs> what? I was like, no. And he's like, oh, you just read in a book. And I was like, and he's like, and you believe that? And I was like, but yeah, I mean, like it's science. And he's like, oh, okay. So like, but why, why just trust that you read something in a book and it's true? And then I was just like, because I don't know, we have science and technology. And he was like, I think it's because somebody who you thought was right told you it and you believed what they were saying because it made sense to you. And I was like, yeah, I guess. And he's like, oh, okay, well, I had a guy in a white coat telling me that Jesus was the son of God. And he brought me a book and I read that book and that's what I believe. And I laughed and I was like, touche, good sir. I get it, I get it. My argument was like, yeah, but like, you know, I, I've, I have a cell phone. I know how radio works. I've built technology. So I, I, I believe we're breathing oxygen. But point made, we choose our faith. We choose who to trust and what to believe in. And that was the point he was making when he struck up this conversation. And I respected that. And it gave me, uh, uh, it like kind of shook me out of like, a closed-minded state, I suppose. Started reading a lot more. And then I think within three months, I was no longer atheist. And it was actually because I read a book on quantum physics 
that talked about the state of uh, the the state of matter as it relates to life and negative entropy. And I won't get into the great details about it that we've talked about on the show. And it talked about the ma- the mathematical pathways of the universe, the the uh, uh, how matter co- there's there's en- entropy in the universe. What we believe we know is the universe decaying to eventually the state of the which would be the heat death of the universe. All energy evenly spaced out. But in the meantime, there is the negative entropy that is matter being attracted to other matter, fusion, creating, you know, denser elements, and then life, life collecting free energy. And uh, basically, the logical conclusion is there is something greater than us. We just can't we can't comprehend it with the limited minds we have. You can try, though. You can try. Um, DMT is fascinating. I know you guys have smoked DMT before, but like you see fractal patterns and geometric shapes and stuff. And I'm lately I've been into the Kabbalah, this ancient Jewish uh, teachings about shapes and patterns kind of as a communication method. And I think if you can understand like cymatics where vibration will cause matter to change shape. And I think that. God is communicating with us through geometric patterns in that state. And if you can calculate what those things actually are saying, you might be able to understand it better. Here, here's here's another, another way to put it. This was, uh, I was watching a video explaining aliens and why even if aliens existed, it'd be incomprehensible. An ant on the same planet as humans has no idea what a highway is and never will. And we can never convey that information. The ant cannot perceive the highway's existence. Worse still is a dog. A dog can see the highway is there, but will not comprehend the purpose that we do of what a highway is, despite the fact we can actually communicate with dogs and say words they understand. And humans and dogs being mammals, imagine what an alien would be. And then I, th- I saw that video and I thought to myself, the same concept would apply to a greater power, a God. And when you combine the... Uh, it's it's way too complicated for me to I have to do like a two hour explanation of my spiritual and religious views, but it's a combination of the quantum physics, negative entropy, the the coalescing of free energy into life and life creating abstract concepts. I'll, I'll try and simplify this best I can. Uh, the most basic form of life, self-replicating proteins take free energy from their environment. They combine and turn into something a bit more complicated. Eventually you get single cells. Single cells become multicellular. Multicellular organisms become uh, much, much larger until you get, say, something like a squirrel. Squirrels create a- a complex systems in the ecosystem, planting acorns. An acorn falls from a tree. Squirrel grabs it, plants it, plants another tree. You have abs- with with humans, with beavers, actually, and other animals, you get environmental manipulation, which is the expansion of complex systems, free energy organized into complex systems. And then with humans, you get the first degree of abstract complex systems that exist in in a nebulous form and no longer in physical Minecraft, reality. for instance. Well, so what I mean is if a squirrel, if, if, if life collects energy from around it, food, and eats it, and that food turns into another squirrel, that is organizing energy. The next level is environmental manipulation. A beaver then collects sticks and creates a dam, creating a new complex system in, environment, in, in the environment. Humans then take it to the next degree which is we create language, concepts, ideas. We've named this thing can. The language itself is a complex system that only exists when the collective minds of those who speak the language and can, can convey the ideas. The logic simply dictates there is another form of, of complex system creation beyond what we are because the likelihood mathematically that we are the end-all be-all of what the universe has within itself is the likelihood that we are the end of it is 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 almost zero based on what we what we think we know about the universe. Mm. 
And so the simplest interpretation would be there is a greater power beyond us. And that is the mathematically obvious outcome when you do the calculations. And then that combined with a whole bunch of other experience I've had in life, I'm just like, there's a God. And I think it's really, really funny that I have not been an atheist since I was 18. And there are people who tweet and comment and insult me for being an atheist. And I'm like, I don't get it. We I should do it, a show, a full show on this sometime. We were supposed doing, to have you and Seamus. I've been researching um, entropy. And I think that entropy is like if you take two sticks and put them together, they form a joint. The joint is the entropy. It's not a thing. It's a result of, it's a result. We do have to wrap up. So I will say, uh, smash the like button, subscribe to the channel. Thank you for listening to my last few minute rant on spirituality. We we should do a, a culture war episode discussing all the religious philosophies and ideas. It would be fantastic. You can follow the show at TimCast IRL. You can follow me personally at TimCast. Support our work at TimCast.com by becoming a member and squeeze in your last few super chats in the last couple of minutes because we're at $20,000. So I got 40K going your way to your project. We're Amazing. excited. We're excited to help. I'm, I'm excited everybody uh, was able to give. I can certainly help as well. And uh, if everybody wants to support our work, we're at TimCast.com. Do you want to shout anything out, Kirk? Oh, man. Th thank you guys for having me on the program. This, this is awesome. I, I feel like I've, this, I went to school. I've learned so much listening to all four of you here today. This has been really awesome. Thank you. Absolutely. Do you, do you have a Twitter account or anything or X account? I've got an X account, um, Kirk Cameron Official, and uh, Facebook, Insta Instagram account. Um, but... Uh, you know, just you, you pointing everybody over here to uh, to watchbrave.com really means the world to me because, uh, you know, I, I really want uh, people to think about stuff that we can do together that's going to make a difference. I, I am dead serious with the, the, the coffee shop that we're opening. We want to have a thousand of them. Mm. I want to have it be in every shopping center we can get into. Saturday mornings, families come and their kids are hanging out and they're hanging Great out. Great idea. And we can play your show and we can play uh, Bent Key shows. And we can help build a wholesome, family-friendly culture to craft a stable, intelligent, productive, and moral future generation. So we we have the same mission. So I'm more than happy to help. I do kind of feel bad that you know people should could just be donating directly to Watch Brave, but I want to match it. So we'll do that. It's WatchBrave.com, though, right? Yeah, that's right. So if people want to additionally donate, you can uh, or contribute. It's I, it's actually becoming a part of the process. So it's a crowdfund. So you're getting something for what you what you give. But uh, really excited. So thanks for hanging out uh, and throw it down to Claire. Yeah, it's been awesome having you here. I'm so glad you could join us. Uh, I'm Hannah Claire Brimlow. I'm a writer for SCNR.com at Scanner News. I'm really grateful to be a part of that team. And I'm thankful for all of you who follow and support our work. You can find us at TimCast News on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to follow me personally, I'm on um, Twitter at uh, HC Brimlow. And I'm on Instagram at HannahClaire.B. Ian, so fun to see you. You too, Hannah Claire. Thanks. Uh, and you guys, you got a couple minutes left to get your super chats in, get them doubled up. <laughs> it's happening now. Hit the button. Kirk, great to meet you, man. Yeah, Good thanks. to see you, dude. Thanks. And great to see you too. Good show, Tim. That was fun, man. Serge, what's happening, brother? Talk me out. Yeah, uh, thanks everyone that watches the show. We appreciate it. Thank you for giving money towards uh, Kirk's project. Thanks for helping us out, Chris. Uh, Kirk, and being here. Uh, pleasure as always. Yeah. Oh, Hill song. How would you rate it on a scale of one to ten? <laughs> and oh, know that Serge will cry if you don't like it. I've ever had Bill Tong. <laughs> oh, nice. So now everything's hey, going to be compared to this as oh, my standard. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, it's good. Because <laughs> good you're going to be like, what? How is this Bill Tong? You have that, you've had the best. If you find yeah. a better one, let me know. That's I'm right. That's right. Waiting. It's downhill from here. This stuff's so but good. But you know what? This, is, this, is, this stuff is like craft from Serge's friend. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. it's really hard to beat. You know, a small batch craft. Oh, building. yeah. We get yeah. to say we know a guy, and that's how we got this. <laughs> All right, everybody. 
It looks like we end the night with $21,000 in Super Chats. So uh, I've got $42,000 going towards Brave Bo uh, Books and Kirk's project. This is fantastic. And I think you more than deserve it. When you said the show was going to be free, I was like, oh, we got to make this happen. Because, you know, look, I'm a capitalist. People should pay for products because that's how the system works. You make something good, people pay you for it. It's not because you're, they're stealing from you or whatever. It's because they're like, you're, you've created something of such great value. Like, I would like to, to support your work. This is what we're doing right here. So we're going to make it happen. Thank you all so much for hanging out. No members only show tonight, but we'll be back tomorrow and we'll see you all then.